What are you getting? Well, I'm getting a bounce, mm -hmm. um, but there's a lightness within it as well. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, just, honey, it's a yeah. very tricky color, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Terry and uh, I worship an unconventional deity, the power of another dimension. Now, you're not going to read about this dimension in a book or in a magazine or uh, in a newspaper uh, because it doesn't exist anywhere except in my own mind. This is the Merry Christmas and New Year edition of the David Allen Show. Welcome. Welcome. Episode 43. That's right. This will wrap out, wrap up, I guess, 2016. Shockingly. Or Santa. Same thing, just last year. So today my news feed on the face bag was filled with rage at 2016. Uh, cause of Trump? Rage. Just rage angry at Trump? At 2016. Come on, won. 2016. Enough already is what they all said. Enough already. Down with misogyny? No. I guess Carrie Fisher died. Oh, yeah. I'm coke. Now they're angry? Or yeah. They, they hate 2016 because Prince died. Prince my died? George really? Michael died. Who else died? Uh, Carrie Fisher. Who else? Okay, there's more. Oh, uh, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder died. That's four. Mm -hmm. So I think what they don't realize is people die when they get older. Oh. And live lives that aren't necessarily Like a lot healthy. of heroin kind of leads sure. to. Mm -hmm. uh, there was somebody else. There was somebody else. Oh, yeah. The uh, the actor who, who was inside the R2-D2, I guess he died this year. There was an act. What? There was yeah. someone in that? Yeah, there was a little <laughs> midget or whatever. Little person. Did yeah, I right. just, you, did I trigger somebody? <laughs> trigger warning, everybody. Trigger warning. Yeah, but what are they going to do? What are they going to do about it? <clears throat> David has triggered those people. Yeah, I'll take you on. Um, I don't know. I just. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The daughter of screen legend Debbie Reynolds and singer Eddie Fisher, she made her big screen debut in 1975's Shampoo. Huh. 
Fisher landed the role of Princess Leia in George Lucas' Star Wars at the age of 19. She has no friends, no family. Her planet was blown up in seconds, along with her hairdresser. So all she has is a cause. That's a quote. Fisher also appeared in films like The Blue Her, Blues Brothers, When Harry Met Sally, The Burbs, and Woody Allen's Hannah and Her Sisters. Who's that a quote from? Her, the actress. She was slated to reprise the role in Star Wars' upcoming episode, like, 37, but it didn't apparently work out. Huh. So, uh, yes, it's unfortunate that when people die. But am I the only one that doesn't care? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's hard to say out loud, but... Well, I mean... It's not that you don't care at all. I have no, like, religious connection to Star Wars. And so I have no Oh, so you don't thing. care I, because she's I, not going to be in the like, next one? Everyone is like, rip Star Wars. Oh, oh we're so... Oh, rest yeah. in peace, Princess Leia. No! Yeah. She's fake, for one. Now, it's unfortunate that the lady who played her died. Yes. Why do we care if an when an actor or actress dies? Uh... Because people have this emotional connection to uh, them. To the character they played. Yes, but they don't know any different. Yeah, this <laughs> They're useless eaters, Alan. Useless eaters? Yes. Oh. <clears throat> All right. The Illuminati doesn't care about them. Okay. <coughs> it is uh, the ra- near the end of 2016. Uh, today's the 27th. The 27 December, in this part of the world where we live, um, there's about 13,000 people with no power. Really? And that no many? scheduled power wow. until at the earliest on Saturday. This we're, we're recording this on Tuesday. Wow. The 27. So it's not looking good. There was quite the uh, ice and wind storm over Christmas, which, Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Man. Well, I'm not done talking about, about her. Oh, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> Princess. I mean, Carrie? What do you got? Carrie. Oh, Princess Carrie. Oh, okay. Princess Leia. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, no no problem. No, I just thought we should talk a little bit more because she's... Because she's dead, so... She's dead. Do we need to memorialize her, really? Uh, Yes. Oh. No, 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 we don't. We we did with (laughs) Merle Haggard, kind (laughs) of. Back... Oh, yes, that's right. another one we lost with Merle. Yeah, there you go. No, I mean... I, uh... I remember watching Star Wars in the movie theater and then watching two and three. The thing that kind of, <clears throat> I don't know. Have you seen Matrix? Yeah. The Matrix? Yeah. Um, the first Matrix, it was done and over, right? <coughs> it was a complete film from beginning to end. Oh, Just so about everything was wrapped up. A second and a third. Yeah, and so then they all of a sudden they started opening up all these things and ruined it. <clears throat> yeah. I'm not saying they did that with the Star Wars, but I think a lot of people would say they did. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, Perhaps. the people that go to Comic Con and stuff. I, I, it's just an unfortunate because she was 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Her life was defined by that. She had bipolar, uh, obviously. Where's her wiki? I mean, it's a sad life. She, any way you look at it, you can't, it's hard for me to look at her life and think, uh, 
that there was a lot of joy or happiness in her life. But she was a successful icon. Yeah. <clears throat> Ooh, what do you think she was worth? I bet not that much. That is the number one uh, search option. $5 million. I was going to say $5 million. No way. I was. Did you look it up? No. <laughs> I think that's what they default to. Ah. That's why. Because you'll never see any, you know, like sometimes I'll check uh, what this person's net worth and it's like 10, 5, Dollars. 10, 1, oh, you think 70, they're millionaires, 80. It's, oh, it's not like 2.7? You know. Yeah, no. No. <clears throat> I don't think she was married. I think she had one kid, right? Well, let's ask the wiki. Oh, why not Siri? You asked Siri last time, or is Siri not in town? Hey, Siri, what am I asking? How many children? How many children did Carrie Fisher have? Checking. I found something on the web about what asking how many children. How many children did Carrie Fisher have? Check it out. No, I want you to check it out. How many children did Carrie Fisher have? The child of Carrie Fisher is Billy Catherine Lord. That would be one. One. Okay, so I was right. Hmm. Oh, so is that what you wanted? Yeah, you wanted just some validation. validation. You're so smart. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> right again. Okay, now we can go to the... Uh, now that we got that out of the way that I was right, now we can go to the If I knew the that's all you wanted, <laughs> I'd tell you that already. <laughs> no. No, I don't care about the powers out. No, I do. <clears throat> I think it's quite the... Uh, interesting situation because there's they estimate between two and four hundred power line power poles have been snapped in half just blown over in the wind sure the uh power company the coop the co-op yeah cooperative they're not cooperating very well um on the face bag says the latest sayings from them regarding this current situation was four hours ago today. Uh, <clears throat> they say they, the WVEC, receives power from an East River, or from East River WAPA, which is a, a power company farther uh, west, I believe, from where we are, uh, <clears throat> which feeds every one of the substations that WVEC has. And it will not be back online until Saturday at the earliest. Wow. So the local co-op won't even have power to supply the the lines that are down until at the earliest on Saturday. So hopefully in the meantime, they'll get all the poles back up. But I don't know how they can in this weather. Do they have a shelter open for people? Uh, the the Grant County Courthouse uh, shelter is open. There's a shelter at the courthouse? Uh, I think the basement is that, I believe. Weird. Huh. Well, it's got to be for tornadoes, I presume. And then I, they, there's a kitchen down there. It's where 4-H people meet, so they may have some some doings on down there. Uh, a few people. <clears throat> uh, Roberts County, which is the county north of us, has the gym um, at Old Agency College and St. Peter's Hall in Sisseton open, apparently. So this is not looking good. The governor of South Dakota has um, issue. He's uh, there's a state of emergency uh, in the state regarding that that thing. 
Well, that that all that does is that it opens frees up, up money, right? Yeah, yeah, to yeah. flow money to flow. Yeah, to the uh, friends of the governor. I mean, <laughs> well, the company. If you're going right. to get money, or if you're going to get uh, help from FEMA. Or if the it has to be declared, it has to be declared. The governor, right? By well, in the county has to be declared by the county commissioners. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to the governor, and then um, if it goes over, I think six point seven million dollars worth of damage, then the president can declare uh, an emergency um, or a disaster. Oh yeah, 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 presidential disaster declaration, and then at that point. Um, the municipalities can start uh, asking for money to, and that's a public declaration, not a private. Hmm. And it's very hard to get a private declaration because <clears throat> most people have insurance on their homes, and oh, which should cover that. It which should cover thing. it. And then if it's not your, if you don't homestead there, like if you have a vacation home, then it doesn't count. So, like if you had. There was massive flooding at a lake, and you had a home, and all of the cabins on the lake got flooded and destroyed. If you didn't have insurance on it, I mean, FEMA's not going to give any money for that because you don't live there. That's just your oh, but if it home. was your home, they, but if it was they your could. home, they they could, but it would have to hit that threshold, and it's really hard for there to be an individual declaration of over six point seven million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can <clears> see how that'd be a problem. So, they're only good for the uber wealthy. Awesome. That sounds about right. Go government. <laughs> All right, enough, enough of that downness. We have other down things to talk about. We do. I think. Huh? <laughs> uh, you sent me a video. Yes, I did. Maybe. Steven Pinker. didn't start at one. Your oh, sorry. Um, and something I've observed um, happening, especially in the academic sphere, is that you'll have um, people ideologically on the left who uh, will attack others with the fervor of a fundamentalist Christian or a fundamentalist of any religion. Um, they seem to think their views are infallible and they, they are a true believer and you are um, you know, resisting that. And I, I've had trouble wrapping my head around that because at the same time, often people in academia will come at you from a point of we're the intellectuals. Um, you know, we don't. They, it's. I, I get the sense that they wouldn't see themselves as associated mm -hmm. with a religious fundamentalist. And I'm curious about um, your observations of that type of phenomenon. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's a scandal. Uh, and I uh, occasionally have friends who are not in universities who say, you know, kind of ironically, I don't know how you can stand it in a university. You just can't say anything you want. You always have to walk on eggshells out of fear of expressing some dangerous opinion. Uh, and these are people in the world of, you know, business and, and uh, you know, uh, literary agent and, and investment. You know, we can say whatever we want. You, you guys can't. Now, this is a tremendous irony, because it's supposed to be the reason that taxpayers support these institutions and, and, and alumni and alumni um, is that it's considered a social good for ideas to be thrown out, evaluated, the bad ones criticized. What's alumni and alumni? What's the difference? I think uh, one is uh, singular and the other is plural. Okay. And, and I also agree that it's... 
Um, although I think there is certainly political correctness on the right, but uh, because surveys show that overwhelmingly um, professors and students at uh, the elite colleges and universities lean quite leftward. It's uh, the, the left-wing brand of intolerance is more acute, at least in these forums. I mean, I think the right-wing version is more of a problem in government and uh, in certain broadcast media where there's also intolerance for uh, discordant beliefs. But it, it's uh, here on our own turf, we have to be concerned with the, the version that for no particularly good reason, tends to be associated with the left. I mean, Here it comes really, up I, with some good stuff. I think it's a, no. a uh, disappointing and sad commentary that free speech has gotten the brand of a right-wing issue. Now, you know, why, why should that be? There's no, uh, uh, by definition, it's just free speech, whether it's from the right or from the left. This is where I but meant to come in who, on right now. Well, he's right. Yeah. But I don't think the problem is with the right. No. No, I think he's saying that uh, the right wing are talking about it and are supporting free speech, and so right. And the left are, has not. Yeah, but originally the left was, mm. and the quote unquote right right wing was mm. less inclined. Ah. <clears throat> and extol free speech, uh, you know, tend to be branded as as uh, right wingers because of this. Uh, I think what you correctly identify as a, an ironic intolerance. Um, I, I sometimes refer to the. Uh, mythical place called the left pole. Now, just as when you're at the north pole, all directions are south, the left pole is the mythical spot from which all directions are right. <laughs> so, any, uh, uh, so any opinion that does not conform to this orthodoxy is branded a, a right-wing opinion, including people who are by no stretch of the imagination uh, ideologues of any sort, including right-wing uh, ideologues. Um, you know, so I know that you had recently uh, Christina Hoff Summers speaking in this uh, in um, this same forum, and she's often branded as someone on the right, even though there's nothing particularly right-wing about her, other than the fact that she disagrees with a particular kind of orthodoxy. So that is, I think, to our shame as uh, academic scholars and professors that. Um, that, that free speech should itself be politicized when it should be prior to any political discussion in the first place. And this guy's a, uh, psych, a professor in the Department of Psychology at Harvard. Stephen Pinker. Yeah. <clears throat> so he's not some lightweight. I mean, just by looking know. at him, you'd never know he was academic. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you would think that, you know, maybe he smokes a lot of doobies, but... <clears throat> right, but and is an academic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <clears throat> kind of has that look. But I think uh, from now on, rather than calling progressives progressives, I think we should just start calling them, you know, those left polers. Lo, yeah, yeah, people from the left pole, hmm. uh, and then define it that way because it it is it is true that it's amazing to me. I, you've you've heard it's amazing that you you would even hear any liberal person make the case that the media hated Hillary and loved Trump. <clears throat> but you do get that. And that the reason why uh, Hillary lost is because Comey was in the park, you know, in the pockets of the right-wing extremists and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I think it's... Uh, I, uh, I think he, he, he's completely right. Because, you know, you look at Bill Mayer, Meyer... Mar. Mar. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he talks about Islam. I mean, he's completely left on everything 
except free speech mm-hmm. and Islam, and you have a lot of people that just think he's he's a lunatic. So yeah. Um. Nope. No. Not that. No. <clears throat> uh, b- 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 speaking of. Okay. You know, the media not loving Hillary. I guess, supposedly. Uh, I, the Prez, Barry, was uh. on uh, David Axelrod's podcast. Apparently, he has an, a podcast called The Axe Files, which is kind of humorous. Uh, <clears throat> he says, this is quoting. Uh, we we devoted more attention, more focus, put more resources into rural America than has has been the case probably for the last two three decades. What? This is Obama. In in what in what way? Uh, Axel Rod. Let's okay, see. Okay, I'll let you talk during the, during the podcast with his former advisor. Obama mentioned that he felt the Democrats lost the election in part because the media just wasn't effectively communicating all the ways rural America has prospered under Obama's presidency. Uh. He says, and and it paid great dividends, but you just wouldn't know that. That's not something that you would see on the nightly news. Obama also purported that, uh, that the Democratic Party had not done a good job using emotional appeal as opposed to relying on the facts to make their case. Quote, And so we've got to figure out how do we show people and communicate in a way that is visceral and and makes an emotional connection as opposed to just the facts. He continued making reference to the issue of fake news, quote, because the facts are all in dispute these days. He also claimed that although Trump won rural America three to one, that his own policies actually helped them. They just didn't realize it. Quote, look, look, Uh. the Affordable Care Act benefits a huge number of Trump voters. He told Axelrod, referring to an article posted on Vox, claiming that a large number of Kentuckians who voted for Trump were utilizing Obamacare, probably because they didn't legally have a choice not yeah, to. Yeah, no other option. Mm-hmm. Obama failed to mention that ever-rising insurance premiums and the increasing number of Americans forced to purchase insurance from government insurance exchanges since the introduction of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, quote, there are a lot of folks, idiots, right? I mean, I, I replace it. A lot of folks or idiots in places like West Virginia... <laughs> or Kentucky, uh, who didn't vote for Hillary, didn't vote for me, but are being helped by this, he said. He told Axelrod that another problem the Democrats had connected with rural Americans was that they weren't, quote, on the ground communicating that they are bleeding for these communities. Obama again reinforced his idea that what his party lacked was an emotional connection to rural America and focusing on that connection instead of depending on media to communicate their message effectively. Quote, and there's an emotional connection, and part of that, and part of what we have to do to rebuild is to be there, and and that means organizing, that means caring about state parties, it means caring about local races, state boards or school boards, and city councils, and state legislative races, and not thinking that somehow, just a great set of progressive policies that we present to the New York Times editorial board will win the day. Okay. So basically... He's complaining because they tried to give all their talking points to the media and it didn't work. And so what they should have been doing apparently was not trusting the media to carry their water, was to actually carry their own water. Or he's just crying about the media. Yeah, I guess. I think think that's 
that's the case. I mean, it's uh, when uh, I mean, there's a whole lot more whining going on because you're dealing with children rather than adults. Um, you know, because the average uh, left polar mm-hmm. is really. I mean, it's almost like a toddler. If if I don't get my way, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, <clears throat> but I'm sure you a lot of uh, there might have been some whiners. Some of the rhinos were whining. Uh, yeah. Back when they lost in 2008 and 2012, <clears throat> but I think it's ridiculous because it doesn't matter doesn't matter what it is they're never going to admit that they did anything wrong they're always going to blame it on somebody else and the the thing is if they were humble and actually <laughs> humble what's this exactly if they were like okay wow we really blew it this time we 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 went against the values that we supported in the past and we're sorry and we're going to do a better job in the future i bet they could uh you know, win a bunch back, but <clears throat> you're dealing with egomaniacs, so, you know, what are the odds? Uh, d- Democrat from California, Representative Maxine Waters. Oh, her. Told MSNBC correspondent Jacob Soboroff on Monday that she believes her party is too nice and agreeable when they are in power. When asked if she thought Democratic leadership was being, quote, way too nice by agreeing to try to co- find common ground with President-elect Trump, Waters said, that has been a problem in my party, that when we're in power, we're nice. We bend over backwards to work with people. Trump has stepped over everybody. He has no respect for his own colleagues, let alone those on the opposite side of the aisle. Waters also added that she did not trust Trump and would not cooperate with him even if he invited her to meet with him personally. I have no intention of pretending everything is all right, she said. This business of calling names and lying and retreating on your promises, etc. Why should I trust him to be any different than me? Where did he me? lie? Where did he retreat? Shh. Where? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. She said it, so it's true. She's a Democrat. They don't lie. Um. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? And then Obama says, oh, you know, maybe. What if I see if it'll play here? Bing, bing, bong, bong. Uh, Obama probably feeling a little puffed up from his high approval ratings and President-elect Trump's rocky start, is certain he would have won a third term in the White House had he been permitted to run. Quote, I'm confident in this vision because I'm confident that if I had run again and articulated it, I think I could have mobilized the majority of the American people to rally behind it. I know that in conversations that I've had with people around the country, he added, even some people who disagreed with me, they would say they would say the vision, maybe see, the direction that you point towards is the right one. Or they would say, the vision, the direction that you point towards is the right one. Following Trump's unexpected victory last month over Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, Obama said many voters are concerned his 2008 hope and change was a fantasy. Something the outright, the outgoing president apparently believed was still alive and well 
until 2016. In the wake of the election and Trump winning, a lot of people have suggested that somehow it really was a fantasy. Obama said of his 2008 message, what I would argue is, is that the culture actually did shift, that the majority does buy into the notion of a one America that is tolerant and diverse and open and full of energy and dynamism. Well, I would think everybody would be for that. It's just how do you define all those adjectives? That's that's yeah. the issue. But I think he's he's delusional to think that his message would have won again since he's oh, been in power. Yeah. I think over a thousand seats have been lost by Democrats. Yes, I saw that. That's insane. So for him <clears throat> to ever think, oh, although my my message now, he his charisma, he can campaign like nobody else. He's he might have because he's wh- probably better than Trump at campaigning. I don't know though. It's close. But if he could have done it again, I mean, I think a big reason why Trump won is that he was up against Hillary. Yeah. And that's like that's like being up against Emperor Palpatine. You know what I mean? In the later Star Wars, the disfigured guy. Um that's not I mean, the only reason there her favorability rating was exceptionally low. So in a big way, a lot of people were voting against her rather than for her. Mm-hmm. Or for the other side, I mean. Yeah. He might have won, but it's a moot point. Who cares? He said, the Democratic leaders need to focus on developing young leaders who can organize voters behind progressive policies. As for what the president plans to do when he's out of the job on January 20, he said he needs to work on lowering his own profile. Maybe we can start a GoFundMe. (laughs) To get to pay his bills. He said he'll spend time writing a book and examining his own terms in the office. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Quote, I have to be quiet for a while. And I don't mean politically. I mean internally. Define a while. Does that mean Ever? But he said, I don't mean politically, so he's not going to be quiet. I have to still myself, he said. I have to get back in tune. You have to get back in tune with your center and process what's happened Mm -hmm. before you take a bunch. (laughs) You have to get back in tune with your center and process what's happened before you make a bunch of good decisions. What? Uh, It means that he's... uh Going to have a weekend retreat with his Illuminati overlords so that he gets new marching orders. <clears throat> that doesn't mean he's planning to stay out of politics. Unlike his predecessor, George W. Bush, who vowed not to undermine the next president with criticism, Obama said he feels a responsibility to weigh in on Trump's administration. Quote, at a certain point, you make room for new voices and fresh legs, he said. Ugh. That doesn't mean that if a year from now or a year and a half from now or two years from now, there's an issue of such of such moment such import that isn't just a debate about a particular tax bill or, you know, a particular policy, but goes to some foundational issues about our democracy that I might not weigh in. You know, I'm still a citizen, he said. That carries with it duties and obligations. Okay, if you just want to be a citizen. Yeah, vote. Shut we'll, up and vote. We'll or just go take in the back army. all the, so- uh, the Secret Service and you can do your thing. You know, if you just want to be a citizen. And then don't get paid for any speeches either. So if you just want to be a citizen like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I'm still a citizen. I got to find that audio. That'd be great. That'd be great to have that audio. You know, I'm still a citizen. He is. 
<laughs> Someone commented, too bad he didn't act like a citizen for the last eight years. <laughs> Boy, I get don't really get that one. Well. I, for one, am happy that he's out and okay. that anyone other than Hillary is in. Oh, did you see that uh, university professor? Yes. Who called? I think I think you should say, okay, you first. You first. <laughs> raise your hand. George, uh, what's it? Cicciarello? Doesn't matter. Professor at Drexel U. Uh-huh. Says the only thing he wants for Christmas is the genocide of white people. Okay, start there. Start there. Start with him. To clarify, when the whites are massacred, then he post-tweeted again, to clarify, when the whites are massacred during the Haitian Revolution, that was a good thing indeed. But elsewhere, Cicciarello Marher attempted to argue that he wasn't calling for racial genocide uh, because white isn't actually a race. He also described white genocide as a mythical figment of the alt-right's imagination. Citing Haiti as an example of actual white genocide just a few hours before. Uh, Cicciarello Maher. Maybe he's related to Bill Maher. Uh, he He describes himself as an actual communist. What's an actual communist? <clears throat> an actual communist? So he, that means he's a communist. Oh, man. So, uh, his Twitter account now is marked private. Or, yeah. Because he probably got tons and tons of hate mail. Hate, hate tweets. We're sorry. You're not authorized to see this. I don't know. I mean, I'm a big believer in free speech. I think he should have the right to demonstrate to the world it's idiocy, but uh, I also think that uh, I I would have no interest in taking any college class from him because if he demonstrates this level of naivete regarding communism and everything else, why would I listen to anything he has to say? <clears throat> so, I mean, in some sense, I wouldn't f- fault the uh, the college from firing them, from firing him if they could. Um, because if you're going to be that stupid <clears throat> and alienate and call for the deaths of an entire race of people. No, white's not a race, he said. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mama was sad. L Magazine. Who? L E L L E. Is that how you say it? How do you say it? Is that how you say sure. it? Sure. L Ella. Oh, okay. uh, in a rambling L magazine piece published last week entitled Ivanka Trump Will Not Fix Women's Issues, Ugh. she will distract from them. Author Sandy Doyle became becomes deeply upset that President-elect Donald Trump's eldest daughter, Ivanka, is sexy, smart, and successful. Attaining such attributes makes her a so-called exceptional woman. Though this is not a good thing, but rather a derogatory term. Apparently, perfect Ivanka is a pawn of the patriarchy and harmful to women as her presence tricks females into feeling empowered. 
And here I thought feminists were supposed to welcome smart, sexy, and successful women, not attack them. After accusing Ivanka of not being progressive, which is sheer insanity considering the eldest Trump daughter is a full-blown NYC-style progressive who promotes left-wing causes like global warming and increased entitlements, uh, Doyle goes after Ivanka for essentially being too perfect and seemingly undeterred by our society, allegedly rife with misogyny. Patriarchy has always had room for the exceptional woman. The one woman smart enough, sweet enough, strong enough, soft enough, pure enough, sexy enough to satisfy all of our culture's contradictory demands on women and thus make it to the top of a sexiest system on merit alone. Ivanka's charm and success makes her particularly harmful since men simply use her as a prop to trick women into thinking they too can break free from manufactured victimhood, oh. which apparently they oh. can't. Patriarchy needs that woman. She provides men with an excuse to blame women for their own pain and struggles while simultaneously assuring women that sexism only needs to be outwitted to be overcome. You know, this lady lives on the feminist pole. Hey, there you go. Everywhere you yeah. look, there's misogyny. Yeah. <clears throat> she tells us that the system is survivable for women. You simply have to be the right kind of woman. Exceptional women don't exist in real life. No one is unaffected by sexism. No woman, no matter how well-behaved, is ever safe. Ah! Oh! They're never safe. But some women, by dint of privilege and good luck, are fairly convincing avatars, she says. Oh my goodness, I just it just <laughs> dawned on me. They have the same worldview as a fundamentalist uh, Muslim. Because male Muslim. Oh yeah, yeah. Because the reason why the women are covered up is that the men can't can't control themselves. They can't control themselves. And because men can't control themselves, if they go out without a, a man, they're just asking for it. Mm -hmm. Because that's how men are. Mm -hmm. They're not safe. So they have something in common. She continues, of course, Trumpism is unsurvivable for women who do not happen to be exceptional Ivankas. Pointing to the possible repeal of Obamacare and potential abortion restrictions as evidence, quote, the goal of Trumpism is not to benefit women. The goal is to benefit one woman, Ivanka or the one type of woman she represents. Doyle then turns the deepest shape of green to conclude that smart, sexy, successful <laughs> Ivanka is only making women feel bad about themselves for falling short, not helping women feel empowered. Quote, We're not meant to benefit from her. We're meant to look at her and think about how we can be more like her. Did or they just say that, that she turned the deepest shade of green? It says shape, but it must be shade, yeah. So they're saying she's jealous. So that's the reason why she's <laughs> saying sure, this. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're not meant to benefit from her. We're meant to blame ourselves for falling short, as we have with every other exceptional woman to date. Ivanka is the Disney princess. We're the peasant chorus members who watch and serve and sigh at her pretty hair. <clears throat> so she should have been ugly and fat. Yeah, and stupid. Yeah, because then you'd be empowered if you see that. Mm. Well. This is the David Allen Show. Well, maybe load up on some Botox or something. <laughs> this is uh, episode 42. Three. 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 Hey. 43. Three. This is the year in special. Definitely 43. Definitely. Definitely. De definitely. Definitely 43. Definitely.
Definitely 43. Quit throwing stuff. It's DavidAllenShow.com. And it says email at DavidAllenShow at gmail.com. On the face bag, the David Allen Show. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> uh, we coming up 2017, we have some breaking breaking news about the show. Breaking news about the show. Literally. We're not talking Fox News breaking, breaking news. Breaking news. We're talking actual breaking mm-hmm. news. Yep, yep, yep. And when it breaks... <laughs> it'll break. There you go. Yep. Drop the bomb on me, literally. 
right? Who, who is that? Who's who saying that? The Gap Band. Really? Hey. Hey, I saw this uh, today on uh, CBS this morning. Story of survival. The Klein family became stranded last week on their way to the Grand Canyon. Karen Klein then left her husband and 10 year old son to begin a long and dangerous journey in search of help. John Blackstone has their harrowing story of surviving freezing temperatures and treacherous conditions. Treacherous. Mentally, it, it's still all sort of sinking in as far as the, the scope of the whole ordeal. Her husband, Eric, by her side, 46-year-old Karen Klein, says it all began last Thursday afternoon. The family of three was on vacation from Pennsylvania, making their first trip to the Grand Canyon. So we set out that morning not realizing what lay ahead, that the major roads were closed and impassable. They say their GPS put them on an alternate route that seemed promising. The road was paved and then it became a little more harried. We were thinking, well, this must take us to the North Rim. But unfortunately, that did not happen as the car got stuck in the stuck in the mud. It was decided that Karen, a fitness enthusiast trained in survival techniques, would go for help. It was pretty simple. Karen is our problem solver, and she's got experience. She's super intelligent. But soon, super awesome. Eric started to worry. It really didn't feel like there was a point of no return until it started to snow, it was nighttime, and Karen was not in the car any longer. Karen headed south, walking for 11 hours until she found an evergreen tree for shelter. I was afraid to fall asleep because I, in my mind, if, one, if you fall asleep, you freeze to death. At daylight, she saw a sign for the Grand Canyon Visitor Center and... Okay, keep going. The B-roll that they show is not an evergreen tree. No. It's like an oak tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now keep going. <laughs> Kept hiking through deep snow. My shoe had filled up with snow, and I couldn't put my shoe back on, so I was walking in my sock and having to physically lift my left leg to pull it forward. After walking nearly 26 miles, she eventually sought refuge in an empty cabin near the Grand Canyon's north rim. Even as she ate twigs and drank melted snow to stay alive, Karen says one thing kept her going. I just kept thinking, I have to do this for my son. I have to do this for my husband. Meanwhile, Eric says their son never lost hope. He thought she just was on an adventure trying to figure this out to save us. So in his mind, she was, you know, doing what she needed to do to protect us. By Friday morning, with no sign of his wife, Eric hiked to higher ground until he could call for help on his cell phone. That set off a massive search and rescue effort, locating Karen more than 36 hours after the ordeal began. Oh, it was uh, just incredible, just awesome. I mean, it certainly, your priorities definitely heighten, you know, when that's all you're thinking of is the safety of your family. It's the, the best thing that could ever happen. For CBS This Morning, John Blackstone. What? So this guy, he sends his wife out to walk for help. Now, first of all, they get stuck on a road that it went from a paved road to a gravel road to ruts. No, a harried road. A harried road. <laughs> and rather than following the road back, she goes cross country. <laughs> 
for 11 miles. You know why? Because she's a fitness woman. <laughs> and she has survival training. Yeah, clearly. So she, she sits underneath an evergreen tree overnight. Or an oak tree. And then walks another 15 miles to a cabin. Does she find help? No, she doesn't. So what does he do? He goes, oh, there's a hill. I'll climb up the hill and it's use my so cell phone to call for help. It was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my life. And the thing is. Good morning, America. It was, I, I couldn't believe it. He had her walk for help. But she was the fitness when one. When they could have hiked back on the road that they came from until they got cell phone reception. How long? I, I would love to know how long it took him to get to the top of the hill. I bet it was 20, 30 minutes, and he called somebody. <laughs> and she spent 26 miles walking with frostbite. And then... No, but she couldn't put her foot back in her... Why couldn't she put her foot back in her that shoe? That was another one. Her shoe got filled with snow, so she couldn't put her foot in her shoe. <laughs> I, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. And and the thing that drives me crazy about this is that this is I I'm assuming this has to be one of these stories about how um a whim, a woman went and <coughs> did something miraculous save something the day. saved the day and at the end of the story she had to be rescued. Mm-hmm. So not only she was she was he was lazy but smart and she evidently was hardworking and stupid. I, it was the weirdest thing. It was like reinforcing stereotypes. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it when I heard this thing. <laughs> they talked about it, this whole thing, and then it says, by Friday morning with no sign of his wife, Eric hiked to the higher ground until he could call for help on his cell phone. Do you think maybe you could have left her, given her a cell phone? Uh, stunning. Stunning. And this was too. This was on. If I was that guy, I would. I, I'd move. I'd change my name. There's no way I would get. I mean, are you kidding me? And you saw the guy, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think his hair is permed on top. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was outraged, but I laughed so hard. I laughed so hard because it was like. Three and a half minutes long, and three minutes about how incredible this incredible job, and then it was like, oh yeah, he used his cell phone to, to call for help, and then the rescue team found her. They found her. Um, you sent this to Jay as well, who's not here today. Um, it's his response sounds like a real man. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, first of all, they're idiots. Yep. For getting stuck. At a certain point. At what point do you think out in the middle of a desert next to or high in the elevation next to the Grand Canyon is a couple ruts going to turn into a four-way highway or four-lane highway? Okay, but their GPS had put them on an alternate route that seemed promising. So... Is this more of an indictment on our society that we have become so, uh, the map told me to turn right. Have You saw that Office episode, right? Turn right now. He turns right into the river. No. Michael Scott. Because no, no. the map, the lady told him to turn. I have to turn right now. It's, it's that. 
I have a story that I know of <clears throat> that happened in the county that I'm from. It happened a few years ago, middle of a blizzard. A lady from the Twin Cities was, I think she was driving out to Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. She was by herself, didn't have a coat. And the sheriff's office closed down Highway 12 between Benson and Ortonville. So it's closed. Well, she had to go to South Dakota. This road's closed. So she checked for an alternate route, and the GPS gave her an alternate route of yeah. this county road. Mm-hmm. I'll be, uh, <laughs> so she took the county road. Guess what happened? Um, it wasn't maintained? No, it wasn't maintained. Oh. She got stuck. <laughs> no. And uh, when, the sh- that. Uh, when the law enforcement went out there, they blew out the engine of the car because they had to go through so many of their of snow the cop car of the of the vehicle, yeah, <laughs> the SUV. <clears throat> huh. So at a certain point, not only are you celebrating just absolute stupidity on so many levels with the story, like putting this on Good Morning America, putting it on well, it's Pennsylvania <clears throat> CBS this morning, so. and then she had to drink water in order no. Mm-hmm. Uh, melted water. How did they, they said. Um, did it say how she did that? She ate twigs and drank melted snow to stay alive. She was gone for 36 hours. 36 hours. A day and a half. And she's going to starve to death? She's going to die of dehydration? So. <clears throat> anyways, we were talking about feminism earlier. And this, to me, seems like a perfect, some knucklehead at CBS thought, oh, this is a wonderful, this is a template article, because this is a woman who did something amazing to save her family. (laughs) Look good on paper. Hey, now, how how did this make the news, you think? I I don't know, Joe. Is the news cycle that bad? I, I don't know. I don't know. And the kicker of it, he hiked to higher ground until he, <laughs> hey, Eric, you might have tried that first. But she. Moron. She's the fitness Moron. expert, though. Yeah. Uh, so she knows best. Survival. Clearly, right? Trained in survival, survival techniques. Yes. If I'm attacked, I will scratch its eyes out. <laughs> That's how I survive, because I'm bad. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. And. <clears throat> I don't know why. I would be so embarrassed. They'd have to bleep out my face and her face <laughs> and, and change and all, her name. She also is the problem solver. <laughs> it was pretty simple, Eric said. Karen is our problem solver, and she's got experience, and she's super intelligent. That's a quote. I would just, I would love to be able to, to hear, the, hear the argument before she took off walking. I mean, I wonder if, if he, you know, who knows? Who knows what, what the background is? Because, you know, in something this stupid, it couldn't have been like, okay, honey, you're the problem solver. It's got to be, okay, when they ask us what happened, okay, you're the problem this is, solver. Right, this is what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I still am confused. If your shoe got filled up with snow, uh-huh. why can't you dump it out and put uh-huh. your shoe back on? Rather than walking in your sock yeah. for another how many miles? Eleven twenty six. Yeah. I don't know. You just can't. And she had to physically lift her leg. How? Yes, every time, isn't it? Yeah. 
D- how do you walk? Yeah. Do you physically lift no, your leg? No, I never lift my leg. <laughs> That's. She's like a superhero. That's what she is. <laughs> she is a problem solver. She's a problem solver. <laughs> oh. Well, I just. I mean, this. But, but, but. Uh, with, a few no, twic- mm. uh, w- with a few tweaks, this could be on the onion. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> But she did just keep thinking she had to do this for her son. Uh huh. And she had to do it for her husband. That was the other thing that I thought was funny because she said I had to do <laughs> it with my son, son. and oh, then it was like, oh, he's here, <laughs> and for my husband, you know. <laughs> it was just incredible, just awesome. I mean, it's certainly your priorities definitely heighten. What? Yeah. And that's all. How do your priorities heighten? The only... No, I don't know. Now, your sense of urgency can heighten. Yeah. But your priorities? The the only thing that I think... They is change, a, perhaps. Is a, good, ...is a good thing is that when you watch Become it... Become clear. Absolutely. <laughs> but they, they had a picture of their son, and they blurred out... They right? blurred out his face. <laughs> and then they had another picture of her the, talking the to him, of the and back it was the back of, of his head. Yeah. So I'm like, they're not monsters. They're just stupid. So. Yeah. <clears throat> but she's in the bed, recovering with one foot. Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm just well, I'm surprised. Has been a very violent year in Chicago, and there's been no let up during the holidays. 753 homicides this year, a jump of 58 hmm. percent. Police say most of the victims were targeted by gangs. Oh, Here's Dean Reynolds. The long weekend's carnage included a shooting at a family holiday party an armed ambush of a motorist, and on Christmas Day itself, the murder of 25-year-old Jamil Farley, who was shot to death outside the Labor of Love Apostolic Church, barely two hours after Pastor Anthony Williams had led the congregation's Christmas service. Can you believe that there was a murder outside a church on Christmas Day? Yes, I believe that. What? That's not the first. This afternoon, he welcomed the victim's mother, June Bolden, to plan a funeral. And to lose him on Christmas. Christmas. I still can't believe it, but I know he's not around me. Is this a particularly violent neighborhood in the context of Chicago? Yes. Yes. I mean, are shootings common around here? Yes. In fact, there was a second fatal Christmas Day shooting just down the block from the church. And when we visited this afternoon, there was a heavy police presence in the area. The violence here has prompted the police to look elsewhere for advice. Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson recently toured New York's police training academy and plans to introduce Chicago recruits to New York-style training methods next year. In addition, Johnson said he will continue to press for longer jail time for gun offenders. I am not a fan of mass incarceration or disproportionate arresting of minorities. But the simple fact of it is, I don't care how you're wrapped. If you pick up a gun and shoot somebody, you should go to prison, period. Over the next two years, Margaret, the city plans to hire an additional 1,000 police officers to try to combat the rising tide of violence, which is showing no sign of abating, even on Christmas. Oh, even on Christmas. Holy cow. <clears throat> I'm, You know, he probably was just out, like, delivering presents to orphans. Oh. 
Yes. And minding his own business, probably helping an old lady across the street, and he got shot. Desperate hike to safety. Here's John Blackstone. From the warmth of her hospital bed, Karen Klein and her husband Eric described how a Christmas trip to the Grand Canyon with their 10-year-old son almost turned tragic. I just saw the uh, imagery of that um, harrowing escape that they had. Harrowing! Not heroin. Not heroin. (laughs) Stinking web. Well... That's neat. Uh, the news. Oh, the fifty-eight b- percent increase news? of murders. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was just another another little aside. It doesn't matter. Pfft, we don't care about that. I mean, they're just black people killing each other, right? Yeah. So do we? We shouldn't care. Evidently not. I think the interesting thing with that the little piece of that last story about the cops um, was they're going to train the police cops the way they train New York, New York style policing. What's that? Stop and frisk. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. I don't know what else it would be. Yeah. <clears throat> or maybe I know that uh, their service weapons, they have like a 16-pound uh, trigger pull. Oh, that's good for for accuracy. Right? Yeah, so they have a hard time hitting anything they're shooting at. <clears throat> huh. Yeah, because, you know. That's the last thing you want is to have police officers with guns because you know how they are. They just like taking it out and shooting cats out of trees and stuff because they're lunatics. <clears throat> All right, you ready for a, a liberal Trump rant? Uh, Trump is ranting? A liberal Trump rant. So he it's a tr- Trump is ranting. Message and he's... to my Trump-supporting Facebook friends. Oh, Uh-oh. Hang on. And for some reason, they think this is going to make a difference. Okay, Facebook friends. Time to unblock my news feed. Or unfriend me. If you've ever posted anything remotely racist or misogynistic or promoted gun violence or made fun of political correctness or promulgated lies about President Obama or former Secretary of State Clinton, then I blocked your news feed long ago. Because I'm tolerant and, and, and inclusive. I am one of those elite liberals. Now, did you actually did you <laughs> add that? that piece, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I mean, it, it <laughs> felt like it know. just went there. Yeah, okay, thank you for letting me know. I am one of those elite liberals that you got back, that you got back at when you voted for Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, I think that a person who's running for president should be able to clearly explain his or her policies and should actually have some policies and know how to how the government works and care how the government works and have a working knowledge of world geography and foreign policy and i think that the person who runs the most powerful country on the planet should take that job very effing seriously now i censored myself there i think that quote supporting our military should mean that we do not send our brave young men and women to needless and endless wars. Do you realize that we've been in Afghanistan for 16 years now? And for what? I think that our country has an imperialistic foreign policy and that oftentimes we reap what we sow. I think that the architects of the Iraq War, Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, Rice, committed war crimes and have the blood of all of our slain and maimed soldiers and innocent civilians on their hands. I think that Guantanamo Bay is a bloody stain on our national character. That the, quote, 
people kill people. Guns don't kill people. Line is the most backward BS that I've ever heard. People with guns kill people. And not everyone should have a gun. And certainly not an arsenal. And no, I'm not naive enough to think that restrictions on gun access will prevent all gun deaths. But for F's sake, can we start somewhere? I think that words matter. Perhaps you were happier in a world where kids were called retards and some boys were called faggots. But I would rather live in a civilized and polite world. Maybe you will blast Merry Christmas as loud as you can, but I will keep saying Happy Holidays because it's more inclusive. As in not purposely leaving anyone out, as in being kind, as in just effing acknowledging that your reality is not anyone's reality or everyone's reality, and that by acknowledging someone else's reality, that yours is not in jeopardy. What are you all afraid of anyway? Is a mass of Muslim immigrants going to take your Christmas away? Yeah. Uh-huh, it could, yeah. I'm more afraid of the mass of Christians that are trying to teach kids in Texas that creationism is real. She's more afraid of that? I think that those of you who put Blue Lives Matter signs in your lawn ought to be ashamed of yourself for thinking that for one minute that there's no racism in this country and that young black men being gunned down in the street by police is not a problem. And for those of you who were worried that life as we knew it was coming to an end when Bernie Sanders suggested universal health care and free college education, look at yourselves first. Guess what? Those state universities that you send your kids to? They're subsidized by taxpayers. Why do you think they're so much cheaper than private colleges? That's socialism. Are, you par- are your parents on Medicare? Socialism. Do, you pol- do your police officers, firefighters, prison guards have benefits and a pension? Socialism. Why is it that when it benefits you, it's not socialism? I think that everyone from birth to death should have access to basic health care. I think they do. Uh, That means I believe in a single-payer system. I think that the wealthiest country in the world, in the history of the world, can afford this. The Affordable Care Act, the compromise between leaving 20 million people with no care and a single-payer plan, is flawed. But it is morally bereft to overturn it. Those members of the House who voted to repeal it so many times should have been spending that time coming up with a better system. And do any of you understand corporate welfare? Here's an example. You shop at Walmart because it's cheap. Walmart is the biggest employer in the country. It does not pay its employees enough for them to live on. So some of them go on welfare. And many of them have to use the Affordable Care Act to get health insurance. Who funds welfare? Taxpayers. Who funds the ACA? Taxpayers. So Walmart makes a huge profit, but doesn't pay its employees a living wage, so taxpayers pay to support them. Still want to buy your goods at Walmart? And yes, there should be a minimum wage that is livable. How could you be against that? So yes, I am an elite liberal. I buy organic foods when I can because I know that pesticides are harmful to the earth and I care about preserving the planet for the next generation and I need to make more money so I can burn it at... No, that's not it. (laughs) I think that clean water and clean air is worth preserving and that there have to be strong laws to protect them. I recycle. I reuse plastic bags because the thought of all the plastic trash I've personally created in my 55 years on earth makes me sick. I try to use polite and inclusive language because I care about others. I don't believe in war. I believe we should do everything we can to prevent violence. I believe that healthcare is a basic human right and that women's rights are human rights. I even listen to NPR. No kidding. I thought George Bush was a really horrible president. But you really got me this time. You elected Trump. 
Look up the DSM-4 criteria for narcissistic personality disorder, and you will find that he meets all criteria. Or DSM-4, look up uh, gender... Dysphoria? Dysphoria. Look up the criteria for ADD as well, and you'll have your man. He does not read about issues because he lacks the attention span. He speaks at a third grade level. He brags about his crimes against women. He founded the fake Trump University. He has innumerable conflicts of interest. He is so overwhelmed he has to have his kids help him. His education secretary nominee doesn't believe in public education. The EPA nominee has sued the EPA before. His VP believes that gays should have conversion therapy. The Labor Secretary nominee is anti-Labor. The nominee for Ambassador to Israel has views which are guaranteed to inflame the situation in the Middle East, unlike what Obama just did with the UN. But, and who knows what he'll nominate, who he'll nominate to the Supreme Court. He is the President-elect of the all-caps effing United States of America. But he's watching Saturday Night Live and tweeting about it. He doesn't know anything, all-caps. In what way could the... Woman part grabbing president-elect with untreated ADD and a personality disorder who tells more lies than any politician in modern history possibly make this country better. Yes, hatred and stupidity reign thanks to you. Good job. You really showed me this time. Uh, uh, this is what the liberal elites uh, believe. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just got a note from the chat room. Big words for a woman who uses an outdated resources such as the DSM-4. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's the DSM-5, technically, yeah, right now. Yes. That's authentic. Well, we don't really care about that. Now, do we? But this, again, let's see. This posted by one of the liberal people. Do you know this person? I do, unfortunately. Okay. She used to run a and b on the coast of Oregon. Oh, well, then that, that explains. It does. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe she went to a party and got hypnotized, and uh, <laughs> when somebody says the trigger word, she's going to snap out of it like hmm. 30 years later. Uh. See, you, can, you can't argue with that. No, you, there, no, you there's, no there's no, no chance. Nope, nothing. Nope. There's just no uh, no hope, none, none hope. At least with with you know Christians, you can potentially talk to them about. You know, I'm a Christian, and I can talk to other people. And if somebody's an atheist, I'll talk to them about things, and uh, <clears throat> and we can walk away, agree to disagree. But something like this, this is this is more tyrannical than uh, <clears throat> any cult. They're any... liberal polars, right? What's that? From the liberal poll? Is that what we call it? The liberal poll? Yes. Right? No, the left poll. The left poll. My bad. Yep. Left poll. Same thing. Yep. <clears throat> Except traditionally, liberalism was actually a good thing. Um, but then it became synonymous with demo uh, being a Democrat or being a progressive. Mm. And even now they'll they'll say that like Hitler was a right wing, but Hitler was a socialist, so Hitler was actually left wing. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Words, words, smirks. <clears throat> um, uh, now, if you think uh, of like Science Magazine, 
I guess a magazine devoted to science, like Scientific America. What would what, what give me some rattle off some names that would fit that criteria? Uh, Scientific America. Okay, and next magazine, and another magazine. Discover. Uh, okay, another magazine. National Geographic. Hey! Um, transgender, cisgender, gender nonconforming, gender queer, popular, agender, or whatever name oh, you want to oh, call okay. it. This fluidity seems to be the trending topic covered in the media these days. And although it may appear an unlikely outlet for such a topic, the Nat Geo is the latest to jump on the bandwagon by featuring a nine-year-old transgender girl by the name of Avery Jackson on the cover of its upcoming issue. If you are unaware of the aforementioned names, no worries. The upcoming issue's issue comes complete with a glossary of more than 20 terms redefining gender. So if they tortured a baby seal, people would be outraged. Holy cow. But they're torturing people a little girl, mm-hmm. and they're saying... A boy. Oh, is it a boy? Yeah, it's a boy okay. who wants to be a girl. little thinks, boy. Yeah. No, it's a boy. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah, this child... Boy. Was this child born with ovaries? I, I, I don't know that. No? I don't know that. <laughs> of course, as one would expect, there have been an outpouring of praise for the cover, as well as outrage, including several who threatened to cancel their subscriptions. The magazine's editor-in-chief, Susan Goldberg, stated these those particular comments from subscribers and others on social media are, quote, part of the profound discussion going on right now about gender. Disgust? And that the January issue puts front and center young people and how gender roles play out around the world. One of their stories was turned into a video series where they had gone to eight countries around the world and interviewed around 80 nine-year-olds who spoke to National Geographic, quote, in brave and honest ways about how gender influenced their lives. All the boys that were born with a penis turned out to be men. That's influencing. Asked why Nat Geo decided to go with the cover of a transgender d- girl, they say. Goldberg believed it summed up the concept of a gender revolution. Asked why specifically they chose Avery, who has been living as a transgendered girl since the age of five. Holy cow. Goldberg added, we thought Avery was so strong, so proud, and confident about her decisions that she was a good person to symbolize the new discussions about gender. At five. She seems to sum up the complexity of the issue. So would they think it's brave if she played in traffic, too? (laughs) Goldberg further explained, it seems that the discussion about gender is really at the center of our national conversation. It is playing out in our education system, legal system, and military. You stuck another fork in in the light socket. You're so brave! Yeah, that red, that 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 red top of the of the oven. You 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 touch it with your tongue again. You're so brave. You're so brave. Everywhere you look, this is this com- there is this conversation. Yes, everywhere you look, including National Geographic, the magazine is out on December twenty seven. That'd be today. An accompanying documentary produced by Nat Geo. Uh. And hosted by Katie Couric, of course, is set to premiere in early February. This, quote, storied science magazine was the source of great anxiety among the progressive crowd when Rupert Murdoch and his son bought it and its cable TV assets. The Guardian newspaper described, quote, how Fox ate National Geographic and mourned it slowly vanishing into the Murdoch family's Fox media empire like a gazelle being swallowed by a python in one of the former's famous videos. 
James Murdoch promised there would be minimal change to National Geographic in its, quote, voice and editorial approach. This would certainly suggest the magazine can still be a progressive darling, even as its claims to respect science go up in smoke in the pursuit of political correctness. I think, I, you know, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's like a gazelle being swallowed by, I think it would be more like a small rat, because really when you look at National Geographic, it's not the largest thing. No, not now. Okay. It was. Declaring gender is a spectrum. <clears throat> a spectrum! We don't care about people dying. We don't care about transgendered suicide, because clearly that doesn't matter. And it's interesting, it's it's National Geographic. So if they were to deal with any other animal, a lion, a tiger, a giraffe, anything like that, they would say that is a female giraffe giving birth to whatever, babies, or if that's a male giraffe protecting the female. And yet, when it comes to human, all the, all of a sudden... They lose their mind. <clears throat> well, because animals can't choose for themselves, but people can. I want to watch a transgendered person actually reproduce. <laughs> what do you mean, like a female or the? Because we showed that one. I showed oh, you that no. one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. it was the mm-hmm. woman who was or who was given... turned into a guy. No, 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 no. She was given a bunch of of testosterone so that her facial hair would grow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. she no, was still pl- a woman. Right, playing the game as a guy. Yes, there right. we go. But then she had to stop. had to stop the drugs so she could breastfeed the baby that she was able to have because she's a woman. <clears throat> yes. Even though they called her a man. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that thing that happened. <clears throat> you got to play that. Uh... We should hear from the other side of the spectrum. Uh, somebody who... Uh... The autism spectrum? <laughs> Yeah, I think most of them are on that, um, evidently. Um, but it would be good to hear from somebody who really doesn't have any skin in the game, who's not. People can't accuse this person of being of coming to this conclusion because they have a religious bias. Um, the person that I'm talking about is Camille Camille uh, Paglia. Uh, she's a lesbian, she's a feminist, and she's an atheist. So she's all three of those things. None of them, and she, so she has that in common with a large number of progressives. Mm-hmm. I mean, the lunatic fringe fringe of the left pole, if there is a lunatic fringe. I mean, that might be left pole. I kind of think if you, you are if you are associate with the left pole, you become that. Yeah, clearly, because anything yeah. else is right. Yep. Now you might prefer uh, men if you're a woman, um, but then you would at least have to come out as bisexual in order to kind of fit in. You know what mm. I mean? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> anyways. This is a long clip. Is this the whole thing being played? Yeah, play it. We can stop and talk about it if something comes up. There is something weird, despite that, about the transgender question, right? There is something going on that's beyond the very the, the sort of liberation of fluidity something else seems to have happened where many young people in this country now, there's a percentage increase in the number registering for clinical interventions on uh, transgender questions 
has increased enormously. There's a certain fashion in schools of, mm -hmm. of some sort, and it's a nerve-wracking business. If you're going to get no platformed in this country at university, you know, Germaine Greer-like, regardless of what one thinks of Germaine Greer, the point is you only have to touch on this question. Ian McEwen, who is completely right on liberal uh, uh, a novelist, dared to say the slightly wrong thing, and suddenly he's... He, he, he kind of has to apologise and is kind of ridiculed and shamed. I don't want to get you to say anything you don't believe, but I'm interested in it because I want to be for liberation. I'm not going to stop anyone dressing how they will. But there's something weird about lots of young women wanting to be young men and mm -hmm. lots of young men wanting to be women. I don't feel as though it's a great step forward myself. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? Well, <clears throat> I, I say in the introduction to my, you know, to my new book, my new collection, my particular transgender um, rebellion came at a time when um, there, there wasn't this, uh, these ideas in the air, that the, that, the, that the moment you are dissatisfied with the limitations of your present gender definition, uh, that there is a, 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 this enormous mechanism waiting to alter your body, um, to, to, to halt puberty, to sl slow your puberty down. To, um, uh, uh, people, uh, all very well-meaning and very sympathetic, are there to provide um, uh, surgical uh, intervention into, in, and potential, uh, you know, permanent changes in your body with which there's no going back. Okay, I mean, I, I, for me, um, you know, a, 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 a transgender change operation um, opens one door but closes many others. Right? So I, 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 I like personally most believe of that um, the doors. anyone who um, who, uh, who who collaborates in a, in a, an intrusion into a developing child's body and mind is guilty of child abuse, a crime against humanity. Okay, because that child is Whoa. not prepared to make such a decision. There you go. Okay. Did you hear what she just said? Anybody that that encourages it is child abuse and a crime against humanity. Who um, who uh, who collaborates in a, in a, an intrusion into a developing child's body and mind is guilty of child abuse, a crime against humanity. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now she's she's uh she'd call herself a f uh the first wave feminist, not a second wave feminist. The second wave feminists are the feminists of the 60s. What's who, the first? The first were women who Cecile uh, Rigno, that's someone else. <laughs> it would be like uh when during you know after suffrage they had mm -hmm. ability to vote and they recognized that Who started Planned Parenthood? What's her name again? Um Sanger. Yeah. Um, Would she be a first version? Yeah, she well, more I, just I think she's more like a eugenicist <clears throat> yeah. rather than a feminist. But yeah, um, she has another uh, video when she talks about this, where she understands that men have done wonderful things, and you need men, and men are a wonderful thing. And it's not about getting rid of men; it's about being equal with men according to the first wave feminists, however they define it. Oh, yeah, because feminism of today kind of has the idea that men should just be gone. Yep. You, you know, the, the saying was, um, uh, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Mm. You know, uh, and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 
um, but they want to believe it. And it's that type of uh, this attitude where you where you disregard reality, mm-hmm. I think, is a foundation for a lot of this transgenderism and the rest of it, where you think that just because you believe something that you can actually change reality. But mm-hmm. this isn't the Matrix. Um, <clears throat> this is reality, and reality doesn't really care what some fembot thinks. But anyways because that child is not prepared to make such a decision. Okay? I, I, I think that such, such decisions about sex reassignment surgery must wait um, when one attains a majority, which would be, it seems to me, a minimum of, of age 18. Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned with this because I think that um, it's become a fashion, okay, uh, that, that, a, uh, that uh, the transgender uh, definition has become a kind of convenient label for young people who may simply feel alienated, okay, culturally for many other reasons, okay. This so that is great, in the 1950s, they might have become a beatnik. In the 1960s, they might have become a hippie and taken uh, you know, mind-expanding drugs, okay. And so today, you're encouraged to think that your alienation is because you are not totally defined, you know, uh, identifying with the, your particular inherited gender definition. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very concerned about this. I think that a lot of it, uh, I think that the, that the, that the uh, collaboration of the bureaucratic machinery with it has to do with the assault on masculinity. Okay. Hey. Ah, okay. There the, we go. You see, trans- mm-hmm. the gender doesn't really exist. It's not really po- polarity. I mean, it's it, it, everything's all about expanding women's rights, but also terminating men okay? mm-hmm. and, and defining men out of existence. Uh, masculinity is by definition toxic. Okay? Mas- masculinity doesn't exist. And you see, this is, this is the proof of it. But now I began my all of my studies, my, my book Sexual Personae began as a dissertation at Yale uh, graduate school on androgyny. I've always been fascinated, attracted you know, to the subject of androgyny, uh, and, and that's what Sexual Personae is. I explored it in history. But the, the more I explored it, I realized that, um, that historically, this, uh, this, uh, the movement toward androgyny occurs in late phases of culture, okay, as a, as if a civilization is starting to uh, unravel, okay, and that, that you can find it again and again and again through history in the in, in the in the Greek art, okay, you can you can see it happening. All of a sudden, okay, there's a, there's a kind of uh, you know the, the the sculptures of of um, of handsome nude young men athletes that used to be very robust, okay, in the archaic period suddenly begin to seem like wet noodles okay uh, toward the end okay? and, that, uh, and that and that the people who 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 live in such periods a late phase of culture whether it's it's the Hellenistic era, whether it's the Roman Empire, whether it's it's uh, the Mauve decade of Oscar Wilde in the 1890s, whether it's Weimar Germany, people who live in such times, okay, feel that um, they're very sophisticated, they're very cosmopolitan, okay, and homosexuality, heterosexuality, so what, anything goes, and so on, all right, and so, and but but we, from the perspective of, of historical distance, okay, you can see that it's a culture that no longer believes in itself, okay, and then and, and then what you what you invariably get are are you know are are, are people who are convinced of the power of heroic masculinity, okay, on the edges, whether they're the Vandals and the Huns, okay, or whether, or whether they're the barbarians of ISIS, okay, you see them, you know, starting to mass on the outsides of the culture, and that's what we have right now, that there is a tremendous uh, and, and, and rather terrifying disconnect between the infatuation with the transgender movement on, in, in our own culture and what's going on out there, okay, all right, and so, and so I mean, that's why 
I, I'm concerned. I feel it's ominous, okay? I, I, I question whether uh, the transgender uh, choice is um, in, indeed genuine in every, every single case. <laughs> uh, but what, again, what concerns Ooh. me is when uh, well-meaning uh, adults you know, believe that they're helping people uh, by, by making it easier, uh, some permanent change in the body from which there is no going back. Um, you know, for example, Brown University, one of the elite, uh, you know, Ivy League schools in the United States, put uh, sex reassignment surgery on its in, uh, on its uh, student insurance program. Okay, so you, so that so that it becomes you know they can get a, a sex change in college. And I think I, I I thought, oh my lord. Okay, I, I feel that's evil. Okay, because what it does to young, to young people today evil. facing an uncertain job market. Okay, what it says people who are questioning their gender while they're at Brown University um, suddenly feel well, it's like economically you know a better judgment you know for me to move now on this rather than to mm -hmm. wait till I don't have a job and living in my parents basement okay and so so actually the, you know the, and the adult community trying to be understanding okay is I think involved in, in, you know, in possibly making a permanent change in someone's life that, that could have tragic consequences now what did she say that at least didn't ring true Nothing. I mean yeah I know and this well, is other than she said transgenderism in some cases. Yes, in some cases. That would be the only thing. Mm -hmm. And this is somebody who doesn't have skin in the game in the sense that I mean she completely owns her lesbianism and she's She's not pushing an agenda on the other side. No. I mean she's looking at it honestly. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's not trying to uh she doesn't have this uh religious almost fervor towards uh, uh abolishing certain societal Norms. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that the reason why so many homosexuals are that way is because they have that God-given um, conscience that says that something's wrong, that this isn't right, that maybe you, you might feel this way, but this isn't right. Doesn't make it right. So it'd be the same thing with uh, people maybe living together and whatnot, you know. Mm -hmm. They get um, uh, defensive. Right. And big time. <clears throat> hugely. And I think that's, you know, the big reason to try to shout down and uh, extinguish that that conscience that's telling them that this isn't right. So, but <clears throat> I heard this and I thought, oh, this is, this is, this is perfect. This is perfect. Now, of course, if you were to ask somebody from the left pole about her, they would say she's a right-wing extremist. Well, she would be an Aunt Tom, right? Even though she's a homosexual. A white a female. Yeah, yeah. She'd be an Aunt, an aunt Tom. Yeah. The yeah. uncle. Ha! <clears throat> ha! Mm -hmm. Apparently, only 0.53% of Americans or 1.3 million people identify in America as transgender. How many people are there that are schizophrenic or bipolar? I bet more than 1.3 million. Let's see. In other words, an overwhelming majority of 99.47% of Americans do not identify as transgender, which is a statistical majority. <laughs> Exclusivity, perhaps? Uh, the survey done by the American Journal of Public Health, which reviewed a total of 151,000 adult responses from 19 different states, did not specifically note those who've undergone some sort of physical, quote, transition, but instead included anyone who identifies 
or who yeah identifies as a gender different than their biology. About one, let's see. Researchers say that 0.53% of respondents, about one in every 189 U.S. adults, answered yes to the question, do you consider yourself to be transgender? Still, the Obama administration has gone into full panic mode over transgenderism. For instance, an overreaching federal edict was issued forcing all public schools to allow their students to use the locker rooms and bathrooms of their subjectively declared gender based on their feelings and not biology. Schools which did not comply are threatened with revoked funding and lawsuits. The Obama administration has also cited against North Carolina's House Bill 2, dubbed the Bathroom Bill, which reinforces the state's position that government that government funded buildings separate bathrooms by or they separate bathrooms by the gender reflected on a person's birth certificate, even allowing trans folks who physically transition to use their desired bathroom. While the number of estimated trans individuals is undeniably tiny relative to the U.S. population, it is growing. As reported by the Daily Wire in May 2011, survey results found that only 0.3% of Americans, or about 700,000 individuals, identified as transgender. Here's my question. In 2011, it wasn't nearly as in vogue to be transgender, or to say you were. Nowadays, it's kind of the thing. You, you need to be. Like, it's almost... It's being like played up as the this is the next like salvation. This is the thing you need to have. Yeah. And so you bet more people are going to say yes. It's like all the polls that said Trump has no supporters. Yeah. Because everyone was afraid because they get ripped apart and annihilated by anybody who doesn't agree with them on the, on the, from the left pole. Which is true. So I, <clears throat> I think the number's outrageous. Well, um. In terms of people that have schizophrenia, mm-hmm. it's about 0.7% of the population. Really? And the number of people that have bipolar, uh, bi- I don't know how this is classified, or s- severe or symptoms that are not uh, completely bipolar, but are, it would be called subthreshold bipolar is 2.4% of the population. So, if you would if you would take it that into consideration, so should we like make that a new thing that's like championed <clears throat> and applauded? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So, if you're schizophrenia, should you hire people to wander around and tell and whisper <laughs> horrible things you. in their ears? <laughs> you know? Do it, do it. No, don't do it. Do yeah. it, do it. Yeah, no, exactly. don't do it. Or if they're bipolar Eat that Eat the red pill. Yeah. Yeah. No, take the blue one. Yeah. So, I, shoot yourself. No, don't shoot yourself. Don't shoot yourself. Take the heroin. <laughs> I had a friend who was a doctor. Don't take the heroin. And when take he was, the oxycontin. <laughs> when he was in medical school, the uh, the psychiatrist residents, um, when somebody would be admitted to the psych ward. They didn't like doing the physicals of the people, and they had to do a physical on everybody who came in. So when he was in doing his residency, he could make easy money by doing the physical of new people coming in. And he said he always liked doing a physical with a schizophrenic than a bipolar because with a schizophrenic, you might say, uh, how are you feeling today? And they'd look at you, and they they might go, fine. Because they're, 
they're hearing the voices in their head, <laughs> and they're suspicious of you while you're asking me that question. But if you ask somebody who's bipolar, hey, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing pretty good today. Today I got up this morning, and I turned on the TV, and when I turned on the TV, <laughs> I saw a dog. And I used to have a dog when I was, you know what I mean? And it would be like two hours to do a physical because mm-hmm. they would just be, whoa, they'd be in a manic episode. <clears throat> well... If six times the number of people have schizophrenia or bipolar, I, and it used to be a mental illness. What, gender dysphoria? And anorexia is Mm -hmm. still a mental illness. Yeah. And that other one where I can't remember the name of it. uh, Bulimia. uh, People that think that their arm is foreign to them and they want to cut off. Um, Body dysmorphia, what's yeah, it called? Yeah, body dysmorphia. If all of that used to be, and this is, there are fewer people that have uh, have this than people that are schizophrenic. What is the issue? Mm-hmm. Why are we? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You, if if a if a kid is five years old and they're exhibiting signs of schizophrenia, you don't amuse them and say no 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 that that's okay go yeah no the 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 flower is talking to you no you don't (laughs) do that you know it's ridiculous Hmm. and really based upon this i'm gonna go out there a little bit but if between uh gender dysphoria Mm -hmm. and bipolar and schizophrenia okay of those three things Percentage-wise, there's more people that have that than there are homosexuals in the population. Hmm. So could you make the case, as it used to be, that if you were, uh, if you had same-sex attraction, that this is a disordered way of thinking rather than something that you should celebrate as normal? Yeah, but that's not um, what our, we're supposed to believe. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> hmm. The only thing is, what I th- I thought the the other good thing that or thing that kind of resonated with me with her, what when she was talking about the, uh, oh what, something masculinity, and then she. Ref- Reference the Huns, yeah, and <clears throat> I can't remember the actual term that she used. But anyways, it seemed to me that with the civilization, there's a pendulum that swings back and forth, and when <clears throat> a a civilization loses purpose, doesn't have anything to fight for, it'll swing in another direction. People, when people, I think this is part of the reason why Trump won, is because. They they heard what the left pole was saying, and anybody who lives a life and lives in reality and doesn't live with a bunch of hipsters in Manhattan or have some kind of weird agenda or some bitterness against authority or whatever it is or confusion, anybody who lives in the real world is going to look at the way the progressives act, and they're going to react to it. Mm-hmm. If you are living your life and you're doing the best you can and you're not 
as far as you know, you're you have no problem with minorities or you know, if you're a man and you have no problem with the women, you think that they should be equal to you, and yet you're told that you're a misogynist racist pig, eventually your pendulum is going to swing the other direction where you're going to say, I, I don't want to hear this anymore. This is ridiculous. What you want is ridiculous. Right. But then <clears throat> if it goes too far that way, then in comes a demagogue. So you got to be careful about that too. But I think it seemed to me that that kind of resonated with me. Well, <clears throat> this is the David Allen Show. A year-end edition. DavidAllenShow.com And this is Living Now. Waking up knowing there's a reason All my dreams come alive Life is for living With you I've made my decision
This is the David Allen Show. Special end of the year edition of the crazy that we call this show. <clears throat> now, uh, we need to call a meeting. Okay. Uh-huh. 2017. Going forward. The next show we have will be in 2017. Yes, it will. Right? <clears throat> right. So... Uh, we want to move dates. No? Yes. No. Or the yes. day of the week. Yes. We're not going to change the calendar. Yes. We're thinking Saturday AMs for the live stream. No? Yes? Yes. Perhaps? Yes. Okay. That would work better. I think so. Because I'm a fragile uh, snowflake. Snowflake, yes. Yeah. The only issue we'll have is just uh, our local background noise. Background noise. So every once in a while we'll just have to pick our head up and... Scream. Hey, shut up! Yes, that's great. Okay. Uh, or we're going like 7 a.m., which I don't want to do. No. Not, Not on, on Saturday. Saturday. Oh. That's outrageous. Outrageous. <clears throat> I say, I'm telling you. Yeah, so uh, in, in the new year, um, the live stream day very well could end up being, or will end up being on Saturdays. However, however, um, the first couple of weeks, it probably will be randomly throughout the week. Sure. Until we... Uh, Get it solidified. Goes. Yeah, until we get that nailed down. So uh, the I, on the iTunes, we'll still be there um, as soon as it's live. If you subscribe on iTunes, uh, if you have an iPhone with the podcast app, you can tell it to let you know when there's a new episode. And when yes. it uploads, then oh, you sure. ding on your phone and say, "Hey, I'm here." Uh, I think on the Google Play Store, it might do something similar as well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We're on there. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So that's the the news. Uh, I think we. Yeah, there may be some other fun things happening, but the biggest change. No, is there the, definitely will the potential be potential live uh, day, and uh, we will in 2017 uh, have Nike. opportunity uh, for you to donate to this yes. cause and yep. help support this show. Patreon, uh, you like it, you can send us some love. Yep, whether in the form of a hug or in the form of some cash. Cash, cash is preferred yep. unless you're local and. Then we still might have a problem. Cash, cash is good. Security. Or, or checks. Um, you could tell people. Cashiers, checks. More people, all of your friends to listen. Gold. Or gold. Silver. And mer, mer, nay. Frankincense. All right. Yes. Mm-hmm. <coughs> all right. Uh, the Obama administration. Ugh. Late Friday night, this would have been the 23rd, Yep. while Americans were distracted by the holidays, President Obama quietly signed the 2017 National Defense Authorization Act Ooh. into law. Now, which authorizes a military spending budget of how much money? Take a wild stab. Six hundred and forty-five so, billion. Oh, man, close. Six hundred and eleven bi- oh. bi- billion dollars. <clears throat> And includes the Dangerous Counter-Disinformation and Anti-Propaganda Act. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the name of that? What was the name of it? No, what was the name of the act that the CIA couldn't use? uh, Smith Munt. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. This bill, as we reported, Lee, as as we reported, as we reported previously, this from uh, the website wearechange.org. Uh, will, quote, criminalize fake news and propaganda oh. on the web. 
Oh, what? What? Really? Oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, I ain't going to prison. December 5, this is uh, a little link. The witch hunt for fake news and Russian propaganda has been kicked up a notch after the House passed a bill quietly tucked inside the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2017 designed to crack down on free speech and independent media. Under Title V, Matters Relating to Foreign Countries, the bill seeks to counter active measures by Russia to exert covert influence carried out in coordination with or at the behest of political leaders or the security services of the Russian Federation and the role of the Russian Federation has been hidden or not acknowledged publicly. It lists media manipulation as the following. One, establishment or funding of a front group, covert broadcasting, media manipulation, disinformation and forgeries, funding agents of influence, incitement and offensive counterintelligence, assassinations, and terrorist acts. Quote, It is easy to see how this law, if passed by the Senate and signed by the President, could be used to target, threaten, or eliminate so-called fake news websites, a list which has been used to arbitrarily define any website or blog that does not share the mainstream media's proclivity to serve as the public relations arm of a given administration. The frightening attack on speech and independent media was opposed by only 30 members of the House including Tulsa Gabbard, Thomas Massey, and Justin Amash, who stated that he fought against it. Quote, this is from Justin Amash, As long as the government engages in intelligence activities that violate our rights secured by our Constitution, any intel authorization bill should be opposed. Yeah. The bill must now pass through Senate, though a senior Rand Paul aide has told... Uh, a news network that the senator is currently holding the intelligence bill for several reasons and that they are looking at this specific issue very closely quote curiously which was the bill which was passed on november 30 was introduced on november 22nd two days before the washington post published its november 24 article citing experts who claim russian propaganda helped donald trump get elected the experts in quotes the newspaper cited was a group called prop or not Although it has, it have refused to name the experts behind the operation, the operation, the organization has promoted a Ukrainian hacker group on their Twitter feed. So that was December 5. <laughs> All right. The bill, as we purport, reported previously, which we just read, a key piece of legislation meant to crack down on free speech and independent media. In layman's terms, the act will allow the government to crack down with impunity against any media outlet it deems as propaganda. The next piece of the legislation will provide substantial amounts of money to fund, quote, counter-propaganda to make sure the government's approved stories drown out alternative media and journalists who question the status quo. The right to free speech and freedom of the press is guaranteed by the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It is a foundation of American values put in place by our founding fathers to protect our liberties and now is being endangered by this new law. Congress shall make no law respecting or an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press 
or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. You know, this is like uh, <clears throat> this is like the g- gun control people. What does a bridging mean? A bridging, um, uh, make shorter a bridge. Yeah, <clears throat> like an abridged version of a yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. Is like a cliff notes condensed. Um, no. Um, I think it would mean basically you are um, removing some of the rights, or you are. Um, you don't have authority over c- certain parts. <clears throat> so if the Constitution says uh, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise of, or, so basically Congress shall make no law respecting, um, or shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Curtailing. Or of the press. Curtailing. Would this fall under that legally? Yeah. Yeah, it well, should. Yeah. But it's the same it's the same principle with gun rights. Because with gun rights what they say is um there's all these crazy people out there so to protect you we're not only going to take away your guns we're supposedly going to take away their guns. And what Yes. Sorry. <laughs> and what conservatives say, how about if somebody's doing something egregiously wrong, you legislate them but allow me to take care of my own Mm -hmm. life. Let me have a gun and I'll protect myself. You don't have to. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. In the same way they're saying, oh, you're too stupid to know what is true and what is false when it comes to news, so we're going to tell you what is true and what's false, and we're going to remove anything other than what we've authorized. (coughs) And uh, I think free speech people should say, hey, uh, that's all right, but uh, we already have slander and libel laws on there, so people can't just say whatever. Um. And we'll make up our own mind. That's that's the way uh, we should be um, responding to it. This is not the first time that the National Defense Authorization Act was used to disguise a piece of legislation. Back in 2012, Obama, this is 12, four years after Bush, just as 12. So 12? Obama signed a law that allowed for the indefinite detention of American citizens without a judge or jury. That's Obama, not Bush. You can't blame Bush for that one. Yeah. Then in 13, Obama, again, Obama signed an NDA. Who? A. Obama. Obama? President Barry Obama that packaged an end to the Smith-Mundet Act that prevented the government from using propaganda against its own citizens, enabling the government, again, to legally produce propaganda. What does that mean for you? If you are an independent journalist or blogger, or us, perhaps, although we're more entertainment than anything, (laughs) clearly, you can read more here. But it means that for the simply writing this and asking questions and pointing out that Obama Obama always signs these bills around the holidays like he did in this... Anyway, this guy. If I'm accused of fake news or propaganda, I could face criminal charges. This is the, the writer of this article. In other words, the stage is now set for the U.S. government to legally crack down on every media outlet that they deem to be foreign propaganda. The Ministry of Truth is set up. Welcome to 1984. Well, it's been that way for a while. I mean, In a statement, Obama said, quote, Today, I have signed into law S-2943, the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2017. 
This act authorizes fiscal year 2017 appropriations principally for the Department of Defense and for the Department of Energy National Security Programs, uh, provides vital benefits for the military personnel and their families, and includes authorities to facilitate ongoing operations around the globe. It continues many critical authorizations necessary to ensure that we are able to sustain our momentum in countering the threat posed by the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, and to reassure, uh, reassure our European allies, as well as many new authorizations that, among other things, provide the Departments of Defense and Energy more flexibility in countering cyber attacks and our adversaries' use of unmanned aerial vehicles. This year, uh, <clears throat> liberal Democratic Democrat president. Yeah. You can put that dropped a bomb on me song again. <laughs> so buckle up. Snowflake. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ooh, this is fascinating. The basement of the White House that says whatever they say Hold they're going to do, wait, they wait. do. We have a joke in the basement of the White House that says, whatever they say they're going to do, they do the opposite. So uh, Clinton said he was going to be the most moral administration. Look what happened with Monica Ooh. Lewinsky. Uh, George Bush said he wasn't going to nation build. He did. And Obama said he was going to be the most open with the press. And he certainly has not been. And that's coming from somebody who observes it from a Democratic side of the aisle. So I have to tell you, this is really awful. And I do know this, that Sean Spicer, who is the RNC's representative and will now be the press secretary, is somebody who I know and I think will be very open. Huh. How about that? And who said that? Who is that person? Let me go see if I can find it. <clears throat> and that was somebody um, who's not... Ellen, Ellen Ratner. Ellen Ratner. Of Talk Media News. She's not... Somebody normally known to be conservative? No, apparently not. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe she was talking to people. I don't know. I think she might have been if, someone. if she was a conservative saying that, somebody would have interrupted her <laughs> right away. So <clears throat> Maybe. Or definitely. Okay. There was, I'm trying to find an article that had saved. Um, well... I thought I saved it. Apparently it didn't. It was basically um, Josh Ernest talking, uh, saying how, I mean, how just open. I mean, Obama, they've been so open. They've been just great giving out information and letting air all the news media get what they need. But sometimes these FOIA requests take a long time. And so we do everything. I mean, we just are doing it all to help. But the news media is not telling everyone enough about it. That's what they're saying. Oh, I think I heard that. It's the biased right-wing news right. media. Yes, yeah, like CNN, just... um, MSNBC, uh, ABC. Yeah, 
those. I just find that astonishing that um, these people are so they they're so dishonest. I mean, it seems dishonesty. I mean, maybe maybe they're just insane. Well, <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, that's kind of clear, isn't it? That they're insane? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh brother. oh, brother. Oh, this kind of is intriguing to me. And I don't know. I think the headline is the part that intrigues me. It's from gizmodo.com, which is kind of a weird, strange website. Um, headline, senior Facebook employee arrested for allegedly soliciting unprotected sex from underage girl. Whoa. So what if it world? was protected, <laughs> right. it would be fine. Is that what they're trying to say? That was exactly my thoughts. What in the world difference does the unprotected part have to do with with an underage girl? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Is that odd to you as well? Yeah, that's really odd to me. Dov Katz, the head of computer vision at Oculus VR, was arrested near Seattle on December 21 for allegedly soliciting sex from an underage girl. According to charging records, Katz allegedly attempted to pay $350 to have unprotected sex with someone he thought was a 15-year-old girl. So no. is it more valuable then? So then he didn't have sex with her. Oh, it was attempted. Katz, 38, has been charged with attempted commercial sexual abuse of a minor. So then it should have said he was uh, charged with attempting to purchase sex from... No, uh, they say allegedly soliciting. That's different than purchasing, isn't it? Or I mean, I'm, That's what I meant, soliciting. It says that, allegedly, though. Oh, okay. Because I guess he hasn't been charged yet. Huh. Hmm. So, go buy your Oculus Rift to look at your <laughs> VR porn. I mean, I um I saw an article about Trump about a week or so ago. <clears throat> and I can't remember the word for word what it says, but typically like if when the press interviews Obama and it's in the newspaper, it'll put, you know, quotation marks around it and they'll say you know, maybe he'd say the uh, Ob- the Obama administration is it will will go down in history as the best administration Jeez. in the world. Yeah. Okay. Now they would quote it as Obama said that. Okay. I saw a quote on um, from Trump, and I can't remember what it was about, but it would the equivalent would be, and this is what the quote sounded like, um, <clears throat> and Trump said, like. The Trump administration would be like <laughs> the best administration in the whole world. And it kept the likes in. Mm. Um, and I thought, oh, this is this is uh, unconscious bias right there. Yeah. Because when you keep the likes in, it makes them sound like a buffoon. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why that last uh, thing I read from Obama... Uh, left his and ands and uh, uh's in. Funny they quoted it in there. Oh, they did in that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean that was a, a more right winged uh, 
publication. Oh, oh, okay, so it makes okay, sense. Okay, got it. But I going back it. to the uh, guy trying to buy fifteen-year-old sex. Fifteen-year-old sex. Uh, what year was this? Uh, <laughs> it was it was fifteen-year-old sex. Okay. Um, this from the Telegraph in the UK. Patricia Hewitt, the uh, former Labour cabinet minister. Patricia, now that's a woman. Uh, Patricia Hewitt. She was forced to apologize after it was revealed. And th- this, okay, this is not like breaking now. This is two years ago. Okay. Got However, <laughs> that's special. Um, it was revealed that she had called for the age of sexual consent to be lowered. How far? Guess. Okay. Now, I'm going to say a number. <laughs> Uh, that's probably outrageous, but I'm going to say it 10. Oh, it was 10. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> the document published in the former labor cabinet minister's name also called for incest to be legalized. The National Council uh, for Foreign Liberties, the what? NCCL press release quoted in the sun issued in Miss Hewitt's sole name. Uh, in March 1976, What's read, her ju- justification for this? NCCL proposes that the age of consent should be lowered to 14 with special provision for situations where the partners are close in age or where the consent of a child over 10 can be proved. Wow. The document, which relates to an NCCL report on sexual law reformed, continues, uh, quote, the report argues that the crime of incest should be abolished in our view, no benefit accrues to anyone by making incest a crime when committed between mutually consenting persons over the age of consent. Miss Hewitt, who was generally General Secretary of the NCCL from 1974 to 1983, said, I take responsibility for the mistakes we made. I got it wrong on PIE, and I apologize for having done so. Whoa. She got it wrong. No. Now you could get it wrong like you're you're talking about I don't know some medical procedure or some some medication that you approve or some device that you overlooked maybe some safety issues but getting it how do you what do you mean by getting it wrong what new what new information came out that before you're like, well, incest, fine. 10-year-old sex, fine. And then now you got it wrong. What new information came out? Well, she finally broke her silence and apologized for her role in the scandal after the Telegraph asked her to explain why the NCCL, of which she was general secretary, had pledged its, quote, protection and support for prominent pedophile group, the Pedophile Information Exchange or PIE, Miss Hewitt said she had been out of the country for the past 12 days as the scandal over the links has been growing and apologized for her association with the group. She said NCCL in the 70s, among with many others, was naive and wrong to accept PIE's claim to be a campaigning and counseling organization that does not promote unlawful acts. I should have urged the council to take strong measures to protect NCCL's integrity from the activities of PI members and sympathizers, and I deeply regret not having done so. Miss Hewitt later became press secretary to labor leader Neil Kinnock. 
She was an MP for 13 years to 2010 and served as health secretary in the last Labour government. Her admissions place further pressure on Harriet Harmon, the deputy Labour leader who served as legal officer for the NCCL from 76 to offer a full apology for her own links to the pedophile organization. Now, this ties back in around to the Jimmy Savile era in the UK and a ton of uh, uh, pedophile uh, atrocities by the government and elites in Europe. Yeah, but why? They were, it, was, it was all illegal before. Why would they care if it's legal now? Good question. Because it seems to me that Jimmy Savile, wasn't that, there was a bunch of Satanism involved with that, right? Oh, yeah, but necrophilia, all kinds of crazy stuff. So making it legal wouldn't help. No, <laughs> but you get the age of consent lowered, then the laws change drastically. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. I think it's fascinating, too, that they have also forgotten from a societal standpoint, how much that would wreak havoc on family relationships and stuff like that. <clears throat> I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to have a religious quote unquote bias towards something to realize that some things are just not good for society, you know? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like homosexual marriage. Mm-hmm. How in the world is that good for society? It doesn't benefit anything. It doesn't. There's no benefit except for the two people involved. Yeah. Yeah. New York. It does not matter that a UN IPCC document in from 1966 titled Present and Future Plans of Federal Agencies in Weather Climate Modification reveals a network of government agencies in perpetual and secret collaboration with each other and the military to modify the global climate. It does not matter that Ooh. anyone uh, that another document harp titled <laughs> the evolution of a weather modification R and D program into a military weapon system warns about the dire consequences harp. of toying with earth's natural weather processes. So-called climate scientists who support the unproven notion that humans are solely or mostly responsible for the changes that Earth's climate has suffered since the Industrial Revolution will not look at evidence before claiming once again, as they have done, that humanity is the root of all evil and that what they call weather calamity is because of, you, of us humans. Climate science today does not look at evidence to support their claims, because science and evidence do not show what the manipulated computer climate models show. So the corporate elite behind most climate change propaganda simply decided to create climate models that automatically conclude that humans and CO2 are responsible for global warming. Fortunately for humans, Jules Verne had already warned about the elite using weather weapons, geoengineering, to turn weather into a weapon, so we all knew what to expect. In 1877, Harvard geologist... 1877. Mm -hmm. Okay. Harvard geologist Nathaniel Shaler proposed diverting warm Atlantic water into the Arctic. That is why warming the Arctic via geoengineering has been the plan of corporate industrialists for at least 100 years. 
If you do not want to believe Verne because his observations are too old, you'll be happy to know there is yet another report that confirms global warming, climate change, and all other fantastic corporation creations are the result of natural process, which were hijacked by the military-industrial complex to further its domination goals. Back in 08, a report titled Nature, Not Human Activity, Controls the Climate, saw the day of light. This report, published by the Non-Governmental International Panel on Climate Change, the NIPCC, presented an in-depth analysis of peer-reviewed papers and other published literature which pur purportedly studied climate change and how humanity contributed to the phenomenon. A total of 24 independent scientists participated in the review, which resulted in a 50-page document on the causes and consequences of climate change. <clears throat> or, let's see. Ah, a total of, let's see. The study was different because it included papers that the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change ignored in all its assessments, and all because it did not start with the assumption that human activity is the main cause of climate change or global warming, which the UN climate models do. The NIPCC report concludes, among other things, that looking at melting ice as a sign of global warming or damning climate change is naive at best. Such a claim seems even more naive today as ice shells, despite the secretive continuous geoengineering program, appear to grow larger every winter season, rather than judging human influence on climate as the only cause of severe change. The NIPCC study shows that there have been periods of extreme warming and precede the Little Ice Age, such as the medieval climate optimum, which without any human influence experienced much warmer temperatures than than on the 20th or 21st centuries. Perhaps the most profound conclusion that non-corporate or UN-funded climate scientists have found is that evidence, you know, the thing that science used to be all about, shows that the UN climate models greatly exaggerated not only the level of rising temperatures, but also the consequences of such increases. Oh! Simply uh. put, the correlation that scientists have attempted to draw between CO2 and climate change is as invalid as the conclusions that the mainstream scientific community and climate alarmists use to invalidate the question raised by many skeptic scientists. Scientifically speaking, there is no conclusive prediction that any man or woman of science would make that could be taken seriously given the novelty of the influence of human activity on, on Earth's climate. As pointed out before, climate has been historically driven by a series of factors, not one or two, and those same factors have been able to balance climate disruptions caused by forces that were greater than human CO2 emissions, carbon, water vapor, and other gases are only one piece of the puzzle. Huh. So... So even if there is some... Uh... <clears throat> change other things will uh, counteract it right apparently i i've heard one uh one guy say that uh the whole thing about climate change is um it's a way to deal with the coming um <clears throat> 
<clears throat> mass of entitlement debt that the country is going to go come into in the next decade or so. And just like with Social Security, uh, for however many years, the government just siphoned that um, because of the number, uh, because of the baby boom boomers. Um, now, uh, more money is going out from Social Security than what was coming in. But they used it for however many years as kind of a slush fund to pay for everything. <clears throat> I what that what this I can't remember uh, his name, but he thought that the whole purpose of Al Gore and trying to do the carbon tax and everything like that was to have a slush fund to pay for basically government so that to uh, push off the coming financial collapse. A few, you know, another decade or two. So the theory then is this is just a way to fill the coffers? Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Well, if you scare people enough, they'll give you their money. Yeah. And that's what's happening to the elites. But do you think they've... You know, I've learned something that with this uh, election, with every, every you know, news station obviously against them, against Trump, um, and he still won... I've kind of changed my opinion. For a while there, I thought, you know, people are just, can be just cheap, <laughs> you know, and it'll just, you know, or lemmings. <clears throat> um, but it seems that with Trump coming in, it seems like there there's a good number of people that have said, enough with this, uh, knock it off. And it seems like uh, that same type of mentality will happen with climate change. Because with when it comes to climate change, you don't have people out there giving the facts. You have people out there that insult oh, yeah. other people. Yeah. So it's not about persuading. It's about intimidating and insulting them. Well, they tried to do that with all the Trump supporters, mm -hmm. and they voted Trump in. So part of me is wondering, is climate change the next victim of this pendulum swing? I think it has to be at some level, doesn't it? It seems that way, don't don't you think? I mean, people well, are saying... Or, or is this just a push to get people to take freedom away and get people out of their cars and to get people into a bus or a train or to keep people from traveling around? Because the more, the more people travel around and have fun and make their own choices, the more they're going to continue to do that. But if you eliminate the possibility of travel outside of your small circle... I mean, we live in an area that 45 minutes away is a town, what, five times the size yeah. of where we're at? Yeah. And so you have a lot more amenities. Yeah. Now, back 50, 60, you know, 70 years ago, that was not a trip you could make in a day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that was uh, something you had to really need to go for. Yeah. Or... Well, even from here to the town we're in, to where you live, which is, what, 12 miles away? 12 miles. That was a train ride yeah. back 100 years ago. Or, and people used to get on the train in the morning. They'd go skate over in Minnesota, and then they'd get back on, catch the last train at night and come back. Huh. They didn't have the freedom to do when, when they wanted. They they were beholden to that that schedule. And I think the if if our goal or the goal of the, the global warming alarmists and the 
the carbon credit tax system is to get cars off the road, to get people out of the freedom to choose their own travel. But that, that helps to keep people in these little pockets. But the, I, and control them, doesn't it? I think so. I, I think it would, but it seems to me that people aren't going to willingly do this. Now, these young millennials that are wide-eyed and just... Bushy-tailed? Yeah. They, they don't know any different, though, when they get to college, and then this gets beat into them. Yes, but at a certain point, reality becomes real, and a good percentage of them are going to want to have a nice house, and they're going to want to have a bunch of kids, and they're going to want to have kids that grew up in, with a large backyard the way they grew up in. And they're, they're going to want to live in the suburb. I mean, they might want to live in the city right now, but a lot of them are, at a, at a certain point, if they're going to have kids, they're not going to want to live that way. <clears throat> so, it, it, anyways, my point is, it seems to me in order to have a shift, a monumental shift away from the direction that we're going, we're going to need a huge crisis mm-hmm. that is almost existential in scope. And people will have to make a decision to to come together and sacrifice in order to overcome this crisis, and then the culmination of the crisis will will bring society in the direction that the elites want it to go. Okay, so all the threats, all the big fear, like by like the prepper fear is well, when the power grid goes down, we're all screwed. Yeah. Now this is interesting because we're right in the middle of a similar situation. Yeah. Um, where, you know, 13,000 people in our community, our area, our surrounding 100 miles uh, are without power. Yeah. It's 17 degrees outside. It's not warm. Is this, I mean, and clearly this is not the doing of anybody yeah. just because the wind blew all the power lines over. But is that a little picture of what it could be like? I mean, if... I if, don't think so. If the Midwest lost power all over. What would happen? Oh well, would everyone just die? <clears throat> well, if it was all over, mm-hmm. like a state or two states, mm-hmm. and if it was for a week, and everybody knew it was going to be for a week, and people could still get in their cars, drive mm-hmm. somewhere else, right. they could do that. There'd be an option. But like with an EMP, if it was a regional thing where everything was out, no drugs coming in, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because where are they going to come from? Right. Um, that would be a totally different, uh, I mean, where there's no hope. Mm-hmm. So, I I mean, like right now, the hospital's still running. So hospitals have, have... diesel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if, if even if the whole town was out of power and you needed gas, you could, you could make it to work, you know, to uh, the town close by, 12 miles away, to get gas. Mm-hmm. It's only 12 miles you could do it. Yeah. Um, You could stay at a hotel in the other town mm-hmm. if you wanted to, or go to a friend's. Or, or I mean, you have options. It's to the point where there is no options, and little Susie, who has type 1 diabetes, is going to die unless she gets insulin. Mm-hmm. Then the... Then everything changes in my opinion i i i think maybe they thought that education and changing the way people think would would alter society but they tried that with the soviet union in 70 years of of intense brainwashing 
and the minute they could become free, they became free. You know what I mean? At least free from communism and from the gulags and all the rest of it. So I, I don't think in our society it will change. You know, you, you even go to like, <clears throat> you know, if you look at stuff um, from Germany and Sweden and whatnot, it seems like the populace is turning against migrants mm -hmm. because they had enough. Because reality is becoming real to these people. When you have people with a diametrically opposite culture and you flood your culture with it, guess what? There's going to be conflict. And if they don't value the things that you value, um, you're going to turn against them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, so for me, I'm... I'm I tend to be more pessimistic, and I haven't been this optimistic in a long time <laughs> about our not because of Trump, but because there are a bunch of people that's that said screw you to the uh, to the the brainwashing, you know. Yeah, and I'm all for if you believe in global Which is warming. Kind of precisely my support. Yeah, was the system got. A middle finger, and yeah. it was wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if if you believe that transgender is the way to go for people if they want that. You know, I think what you should do is take the evidence that you have, the other person who who's against it, take the evidence that they have, and then take it, match it up to, against each other, and be willing to be interested in the truth, or at the very least. Like I was thinking about the news medias. <clears throat> I think it would be wonderful if every single reporter, if you're going to be a reporter, you had to report on how much money you gave to any candidate. You had to report on who you voted for. Mm -hmm. And it was part of part of the, uh, the news at, uh, uh, station. And if you had news stations where they clearly, you could clearly see and it was written down what their biases were, you could uh, much easier, in a much easier way, take the news and filter it based upon their bias. And you'd be able to get both sides of the story because you'd be able to, fil you'd be able to filter out a lot of the biases. And, <clears throat> but you can't, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, I, but what happens is, when the pendulum swings, it seems to me, is that people aren't going to listen to anything in the news, and it, the pendulum's going to swing too far. Because it always seems to swing too far. <clears throat> so I don't know where where it's going to go, but by golly, I'm optimistic. Wow. I know, it's I'm crazy. Intrigued. I'm intrigued. I didn't know you were that... I thought you were Mr. Pessimisto. I think that's the way this feels, because I've never felt this way before. <laughs> <laughs> it must be optimism, <laughs> because it's so different. <laughs> <laughs> Either a gas. I don't know. Well, I mean, th this all goes back to you know government, whether they should or shouldn't be involved or involved yeah. at at the level that they are. Yeah. Uh, Butte Falls, Oregon. A couple has been told they must destroy a two-acre pond on their land. The property is most attractive feature because the government said so. Although, uh, John and Sabrina Carey purchased the 10-acre property near Butte Falls two and a half years ago. The pond has been in place for 40 years, but that fact doesn't matter to Jackson County's Watermaster's office. Quote, I basically bought a lemon, said John, 
who became teary-eyed at the edge of the partially ice-covered body of water being targeted by the government. In an interview with the Mail Tribune out of Medford, that's how they explained it to me, he said, but the couple desperately wants to keep the stunning long-standing feature intact. So, as the Mail Tribune reported, the Careys have pleaded with the Medford Water Commission to adopt the pond and treat it as a municipal water source, something Jackson County Watermaster Larry Meenter, Mentor has opposed because of the precedent it would set. Quote, the Water Commission has rights to the watershed around the Careys' property, where dozens, if not hundreds, of ponds are located, as well as Medford's primary source of water, Big Butte Springs. And the Careys aren't the only people in the watershed who've had difficulties with the government's water. In quotes. Eagle Point resident Gary Harrington spent 90 days in jail for illegally harboring some 13 million gallons of illicit rainwater. That's enough rain to fill around 20 Olympic-sized swimming pools. Harrington master masterfully crafted several ponds on his property, even building docks for one and stocking it with largemouth bass, but his insistence the water would assist in fire control and prevention didn't satisfy the government since a, quote, 1925 state law dictates that the water belongs to the Medford Water Commission. If it falls out of the sky and lands on, in a certain area, they, they own it, I guess. Quote, the bigger story here is that rainwater collection is indeed kosher in Oregon, provided that you're capturing it from an artificial impervious surface such as a rooftop with the assistance of rainwater barrels, but an ex extensive reservoir set up complete with the 10 and 20 foot tall dams in verboten is verboten without the proper state issued water rights permits. After all, Oregon law dictates that water is a publicly owned resource and Harrington did not possess said permits. I have such a hard time oh, when yeah. that kind of a reason, how in the world yeah. can a government control something in the air? That they have no control over. Yeah, or I know. do they? It makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, when I hear bureaucrats like that, it seems like it's the same type of mentality as that you would hear at the Nuremberg trials. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> they're just bureaucrats just following the law. They mm -hmm. don't care how it impacts people. Right. Not to say that the water and trying to kill every Jew in the world are morally equivalent, but, <clears throat> I mean, it's the mechanism behind both of them. I, for the life of me, <clears throat> I don't know how those knuckleheads can sleep at night. Um, I don't know how. I mean, when the, when they take their last breath and they look back at their life, are they going to look at this and feel pride? Are are they going to when they stand before God? Are they going to say, "I did something meaningful. I I made a difference. Well, I'm in a positive way. I don't I don't get it at all. I. I for the life of me, I don't get why 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 these people how you could you could be this way, you know what I mean? It just well, drives me crazy. I think it has to come from the whole idea that well, it, it's the idea that says that you can't run a government like a business. I think. And you must run it like a nonprofit. You must run it like a government, which means you can just take stuff from the people and you own the land, you own the property, you own the, the re, all the resources, you own the deer. I mean, the fact that we have to buy a license to shoot a deer is outrageous. And um, it, in, with the same reasoning, they could almost mandate people to plant 
a certain number of trees per acre. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, well, they do if you are a, a tree harvesting company now. There are laws you are required if you take certain trees that you have to plant so many more in their in their place, which I don't have a problem with. You know, the you know they all say the conservationists all say, well, we raped the the hill, the landscape back in you know 100 years ago. We just clear cut and they just ripped them all down. And it's true. There's a ton of old growth that they took out, and they I don't know if they didn't have the means, didn't care. I, who knows why why they didn't replant uh, like they do now. Nowadays they replant because they're legally bound to. Do people live there? In those areas? Well, perhaps, but some of it's not. But yeah, maybe. The Pacific Northwest. There, I mean, there's old-time pictures you can find. And, I mean, some of the trees make the redwoods look small. I mean, just the big stuff they used to have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, the old guys that saw, <clears throat> 12-foot saws stuck in the tree, and there's guys standing on it. Well, I mean, in the you know, around here, there'd be millions of buffalo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And look at it now. I mean, mankind so the, is dark, and, I mean, we were, God told Adam to be fruitful and multiply and to subdue the earth, but it doesn't... didn't say ruin it. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And so, th- I think there's a point, and I, my problem there's balance. Is, my problem is when some government bureaucracy decides that it owns and controls and gets to decide what happens. Like, yeah. I mean, like, even in some cities, you can't touch a tree without getting the city's approval yeah. you can't cut a tree down you can't build a fence you can't put a deck on your house without the city approving it and saying yep that's a good idea or no that's not yeah. a good idea you know there's a lot of things that just frustrate me there's no business i don't think the government has any business being in national parks i mean yeah. what what is the benefit or owning land no that's socialism I mean, it, and yeah it makes no sense that they would own anything but like with the zoning laws, the reason why they have zoning laws is because you always have a knucklehead who comes in and wants to put a strip club in, in you know, in a certain area. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the minute common sense dies, then right. there's no more, re- you know, it's all precedence and whatnot. Well, th- that I don't have as big of a problem with um, because it's regulating human, like, person-to-person behavior, uh-huh. which... I guess but that's even kind of like all of it, but but, but even like decks, well, like what if somebody wanted to have a deck that was, you know, eighty feet tall next to an air? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, you always have somebody who does something crazy. I'm not, I'm not saying that they, that you should have all these laws for it, but I think that's the pre pretext a lot of times that people have. Well, if if you don't have a law on the zone, people are just gonna do something. They're they're gonna build the Statue of Liberty, or they're gonna color their house a fluorescent green and i don't want to see that to all such the time. a point in our society that that's i mean that's the reality i don't know I, <clears throat> partly because we can't like you can't subdue your neighbor anymore yeah i mean i've got well, i just saved an article how to <laughs> how to perform a citizen's arrest or should you i mean that's a no you know you shouldn't <laughs> no it's totally legal it, it but is it is legal no but nowadays, because nowadays holy cow yeah exactly you're uh but it would be kidnapping or right. whatever, yeah. you know. You hurt my feelings. <clears throat> yeah. And again, it's it's the death of common sense. There is no such thing as common sense anymore. You can't you can't uh, make an agreement on a handshake anymore. Mm-mm. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Because you could always go to court and. Right. Well, even I mean, I've I've <clears throat> talked with uh, legal counsel 
uh, about contracts that my business has. And the reality is that that contract could potentially mean nothing if a judge decides it doesn't mean something. Exactly. So almost what's the point? Yeah. That's the other thing that annoys me about judges, too. I think uh, um, I think there should be some judicial malpractice. Oh, some, some way to... Yeah, for a judge. Mm-hmm. Like if a judge releases a pedophile who goes kill somebody, parents of that child who was released negligently should be able to sue the crap out of him and maybe even criminally send him to jail. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I'm sure there's things that I'm not seen that it would there yeah. would be negative consequences but it just seems like yeah with judges and bureaucrats they seem so unaccountable mhm <clears throat> yes and and some police <clears throat> yeah and i i think that is my biggest problem with all of our our the governmental situation in our country currently and it all kind of comes back to this idea that uh, government knows best and that yeah you know that's that these these um what are, you have mba what master of business administration yeah yeah and then you apparently have an mpa master of political oh, or public or pu- public yeah so those are the people that are indoctrinated on how to from the governmental perspective from the p from the that the public thing that well we're public servants and so they have these master's degrees in public service what benefit is that to most people yeah what does a government do and create that actually helps because a government cannot make anything they can only take something and give it to someone else yep a business theoretically can provide a service can make something can fill a need because a government, a public entity, has no method of creating anything. Well, the other thing about about a public entity that's different than a uh, a business is that there's no mechanism to uh, to filter out things that are inefficient or are not um, needed anymore or were stupid ideas. So, for instance. Uh, when when there's a huge boom going on and the stock market is going up like and right interest now. R- rates mm-hmm. are really low, if you have some money, you could decide, you could potentially go to a bank and they might think it's an okay idea for you to open a sock store in downtown Millbank <clears throat> where all they sell is white socks. Mm-hmm. And is that a good idea? No, that's a stupid idea. I mean, that's world-class stupid. You're going to go out of business. But since there's easy money and it's free money, you know, they'll get they'll get the money. But at a certain point, that'll be balanced out because they're gonna go out of business. Because they'll go out of business, yeah. exactly. So so there is some sanction for stupid ideas or not doing a good job. But it's with a failure. A, yeah, failure and bankruptcy. But there is that doesn't exist in the government mm-hmm. except for a few cases like Detroit went bankrupt and it, but it's so few and far between. I mean, the people can be knuckleheads all day long, at at in a government, mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the different positions, and well, I mean, there's no sanction against it. I mean, was there any precedent for the government to step in in Detroit, or is that an unprecedented move? Well, no, there is there is uh there is a municipal ba- uh bankruptcy. I think it's like uh um was a section. Yeah, I don't know. Thirteen or I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, 
And I think it depends upon the state. And <clears throat> but. And then the other thing is, the government is always building Ponzi schemes when it comes to pensions and Social Security and things like that. It's never sustainable. It can't be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Because when they create a pension, if you're in on the ground floor, just like it is with a Ponzi scheme, you get the, the benefits of it. But then as it grows, you're promising more and more future money to the present oh, to yeah. the point where yeah. you know, We're it has to go, go there under. in a second. With regards to the Social Security Ponzi scheme that we all are Oof. forced to be a part of. Yeah. Or most of us, at least. <clears throat> Some of us are courageous enough to not do it, but it takes How? courage. Uh, you just don't, religious. You just don't join the Social Security Administration. You don't join them. Mm-hmm. And they let you. You don't sign up. Yeah. You, you're not legally bound to do it. Huh. Which is interesting, but it's true. I know I know you can have a religious objection to it. So to I Social know, Security? Yeah. So if you're a uh if you're a minister, you could have a one time out if it's a religious objection. I had a finance professor who said to me one time, he said, If I could get out of Social Security, I would crawl on my hands naked over broken glass from St. Cloud to Minneapolis to get out of it because it is such a waste of money. <clears throat> there you go. This is the David Allen Show. Started this show. Wow. We're coming up on what's that? 56 weeks in the year? No, actually, we've missed like two. I think we've had to miss one or two weeks. <laughs> maybe three. Okay, maybe three. Some remotes over the year. Um, well, real quick, before we get into our, uh, our favorites of the year. Um, Social Security. We just talked about the Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Getting it on the ground floor. Uh, clear, apparently, according to CNBC, this was in August of this year, so not terribly new. Okay. Not old. Uh, Social Security's looming $32 trillion shortfall. Huh. 
You can look at the financial health of Social Security in many ways. The official version found on the Social Security and Medicare Boards of Trustees annual report is this. Social Security's total income is projected to exceed its total cost through 2019. And it has since it has since 1982. After 2019, interest, income, and money taken out of reserves will provide the resources needed to offset Social Security's annual deficits until 2034. By then, if Congress does nothing, the federal government will collect enough in payroll taxes to pay about 75% of scheduled retirement benefits until 2090. The Social Security Administration projects that unfunded obligations will reach $11.4 trillion by 2090. That's up $700 billion from the $10.7 trillion the administration projected for its 2089 shortfall. <clears throat> Despite the huge numbers, there's even a less generous way of looking at the fiscal shortfall. A projection known as the Infinite Horizon takes into account all the program's future liabilities, even those beyond the 75-year period that Social Security actuaries typically use in their calculations. Under the infinite horizon, Social Security will have a $32.1 trillion in unfunded liabilities by 2090, $6.3 trillion more than last year's projection. The infinite horizon calculation is the most important part of the trustees' annual Whoa. report. Whoa. In one year, it went up $6 trillion. So they were off by $6 trillion from last year. So why in the world would we listen to what they have to say this year if they were off $6 trillion last year? Well. <clears throat> right? Am I Or am I, like, wrong here? You mean the infinite horizon? No, they Number? said, <clears throat> didn't, didn't they say that... It went up six trillion dollars, or it's uh, six trillion dollars more than last year. Their projection for well, last the, year. Well, the official Social Security Administration, they project that unfunded obligations will reach eleven point four trillion by two thousand ninety. That's up seven hundred billion from. No, but then from, from the year later. from eighty nine, right? So the official word from Social Security Administration is by two thousand ninety they will have $11.4 trillion in the hole that they can't pay. Up until they're 700, they were $700 billion. That's $700 billion higher than 2090 or 2089. Now, there's a project known as the Infinite Horizon, which takes into account all yep. of the program's future liabilities, even those beyond the 75-year period that Social Security actuaries typically use in their calculations. Under that Calculus, I guess. Social Security will have a $32 trillion unfunded liability by 2090. Yep. And then what did it say? That is $6.3 trillion more than last year's projection. Yeah. Right. So that's my point. So last year's projection was $6 million less. This year's projection is $6 million more. What changed? Exactly. That's my point. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <clears throat> So if it changed six million, and it changes six trillion 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 next year, and it changes six trillion the year after that, at a certain point, that's exponential. Uh, why would you listen to anything they have to say? Why would yeah? Anyway, sorry. The infinite horizon calculation is the most important part of the trustees' annual report," said Lawrence Kotlikoff. Yes, he Lawrence Kotlikoff. 
He says it's a $200 trillion infinite. University yeah. economics professor and co-author of Get What's Yours, a bestseller, uh, about how to maximize claiming Social Security retirement benefits. Uh, quote, we're not broke in 20 years to 30 years. We're broke now. All the bills have been kept off the books by Congress and presidential administrations for 60 years. The $6.3 trillion increase in the Infinite Horizon projection shows that Social Security Administration actuaries are more pessimistic about economic and wage growth, he said. A reduction in the interest rate uses used to make calculations under the Infinite Horizon projection from 2.9% to 2.7% was the main contributor to the rise oh, okay. of the unfunded obligations forecast from last year. Okay. Quote, you can't hide the numbers under a bunch of malarkey, said Kotlikoff who was running for president as a write-in candidate. <laughs> that worked out. No, but, I mean, he said, uh, <clears throat> I've heard a lot of interviews from him, and he said it's uh, like a $200 trillion uh, unfunded liabilities <clears throat> that the U.S. is going to, that ultimately we're bankrupt right now, we just don't know it. I guess one way you could look at it is that um, there's a guy who's been living off of uh, his credit cards for the last five years, and they, the credit card company has been increasing his credit limit steadily. And <clears throat> that morning... What? I was giving this a, as an example. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, on Monday morning, uh, one of the... Uh, people in charge of his account came in and had a meeting with other people and said that they were going to freeze his account and not give him any more money. Well, that morning he might be out spending money like normal and, and think it's it's just a normal day, but the uh but the reckoning is coming at any time and I I think people mm, gotcha. Uh Lawrence Kotlikoff would say that the US government is basically the same way as just when is that day mm -hmm. going to come? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, wasn't isn't the biggest issue with Social Security that the government has been borrowing from it yeah. and taking out of the pot? Yeah, when they say when they say that there's a annual deficit of two trillion dollars or mm -hmm. whatever one and a half trillion dollars every year, it's actually like four or five trillion more that's not on the books because they've been taking that out of Social Security. So even though the paper says there's X money in there. It's not. because it's not because they've taken that for something else. Yeah. Like the NDAA or. Yeah. Something. Yes. And then they, they basically leave an IOU. So it's like Dumb and Dumber. Hmm. <coughs> $250,000 right. for a Lamborghini. Might right. want to keep that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Sorry. To jump off the deep end. Wow, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, Trump. Yeah. Money, money, money. Or something. Fergie? I have to charge my milkshake, brings all the boys to the yard, and they're like, it's better than yours. 
so, uh, so with the year coming up to the end, and then a couple of days, yeah. Uh, give me your. <clears throat> I didn't give you any any uh, prediction. Any, well, no, no, not yet. I didn't uh-huh. give you any um, any time to think about this. But tell me your um, the biggest story of the year of this last year. Yep. Trump being the president. Really? Yeah. Biggest news. Yeah. You never thought that would happen. Nope. Nope. Hmm. I th- I didn't see Trump. Um, although I did have a premise, my premise back in February was that they were going, the powers that be were going to push a Republican so that they could move the country in a direction that the Democrats wouldn't allow them to go, a la Bush and the Patriot Act. <clears throat> if a Democrat tried to push the Patriot Act, I don't think it would have gotten through because the conservatives would have said, this is outrageous, how dare you? But with Bush being a Republican pushing it, and he's pro-military and everything, a lot of the conservatives seemed it was reasonable. <clears throat> um, so my premise was always that there was going to be a Republican president so that they could push things that they couldn't the other way. I just, and then after when Trump was elected, there was so much hostility against the rhinos and uh, by the rhinos mm-hmm. and the Democrats and the media. It didn't seem like the powers that be wanted Trump in, <clears throat> so it seems to me that it was something that they didn't expect, and that he's a wild card. I'm talking about the Illuminati overlords. So. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. What about you? I think the biggest shocker. George Michael's. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have to find that. I think the biggest <laughs> shocker. Is because well the fact that the Democrats lost was a shocker but not I'm not I, I expected it oh cool. I hope I hoped it would happen just, yeah just because um I think the biggest shocker to me is uh, because they lost now everyone is freaking out that it was only that oh, the American people are so stupid <laughs> that oh. it was only because of fake news oh that they lost. Oh, and that okay. that has become such a huge thing that there's laws now being passed that are going to eliminate uh, or try to illegal illegalize criminalize illegalize that's a good word <laughs> criminalize um, if you don't say the right word you're a criminal. I don't know. I I think Obama's trying to do that, but I don't know in this political environment if that would hold up in court. And with Congress. But Congress just passed the NDA and he signed it with that word, with that part in it. Yeah, but they don't read it. Do you th- do you th- <laughs> I mean, that's true. They probably don't. I mean, like if, if Breitbart all of a sudden uh, was shut down because of it, mm-hmm. I I don't think that that the Congress and the Senate and, and Trump would be okay with that, especially with Steve Bannon. Um, so I think when the, in eight years, four to eight years, when there's a Democratic president, um, which I'm assuming there is, but maybe there won't. But, in four, you think? Uh, depends upon. We're what not Trump to does. predictions yet. Uh, I think that's something that uh, the uh, the Democrats would easily do. Unless 
there's a catastrophic crisis event that changes everything. A black swan event, they would call it, that changes everything. <clears throat> then, then it could come through like the Patriot Act. That's my prediction, or my thoughts on it. Hmm. But you'd, if you could see it coming, then it wouldn't be a black swan. So, does the peanut gallery have any shockers of the year? Well, I think the the Trump presidency is just a result of what I think is overreach from the left. Yeah. They just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And yeah, and like finally it's a year, too much. There was a, well, let's see if we, how much farther we can push. And it was like, we pushed too much. Mm. The bully yeah. pushed, yeah. and then the little kid slugged him in the nose. Yeah. And that's what's happened. And so now they're crying because you're not supposed to do that. You don't <clears> hit the yeah. bully. You're not supposed to. That's that's good. It's like the Christmas story when he uh, beats up Scott Farkas. You know okay. the movie? Have you seen the Christmas story? I don't think so. <laughs> really? Have you seen it? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> then never mind. <clears throat> if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to. Uh, you should see it sometime. Okay. <laughs> now, probably if, if uh, a good percentage of the population would probably know what I'm talking about. Hmm. <clears throat> But, um, like, I haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life. So if somebody talked oh. about that, then I would, wouldn't Harry, have Harry! 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 <laughs> oh, Come on, I've never really? watched Star Wars. <laughs> it's, it's blasphemy. <laughs> <clears throat> never Star Wars. Be All right, the, uh, the number... Uh, I can't play one, two, four, one, two, three, four. Thank you. Just because they're explicit. The number four song in the United States today... This song has been living in the top five oh, for yeah, a which long one? time. Who's this again? I can't remember. It's the Chainsmokers. Oh, that's it. And Closer. Hey. Ugh. I was doing just fine before I met you. I drink too much and that's an issue, but I'm okay. Wow. Hey. You tell your friends it was this is nice the top to five. Them, this is the number five in the country right now. Number one is a song by Drake called Fake Love. Um, trigger warning. There could be swear words. There will be swear words in here. Trigger warning. Just so you know, this is the number one song in the United yeah. States right now. I'm sorry. It's explicit. It's already good. Yeah. I've been down so long it look like up to me. They look up to me. I got fake people showing fake love to me straight up to hey, my face. Hey, fake news. <sighs> straight up to my face. This isn't just so R&B. This like is. Look to me. I got fake people showing fake love to me straight up to my face. Oh my. He's as bad as Kanye when Kanye was trying to Straight up to his face. Something ain't right when we talking. Look like you hiding your problems. That's really, uh, he's using that auto no, you can't thing when they sing it, right? That for gap problems. One point one two five million plays every day on Spotify for this song. Yeah. 
Ugh. I don't know why this is called music. I, I'm with you there. Man, am I with you there. Uh, the number 50 song is a song called Swang. Again, trigger warning. So that's bad grammar, too. Swang? Yeah. <laughs> it ain't a word. Swang. It was past tense swing. By Ray Srimmerd. Srimmerd. Ray Swimmerd. Sre. Srimmerd. This is quality right here. Know some young niggas like to swim. Know some young niggas like to swim. My question about this yeah? is how many are they actually selling of these things? Well, according to Adam Curry, if you sell, what, what do you say, 2,000 albums, you're in the top Billboard Top 10. That's my point right, right there. Exactly. Right there. Yeah. So maybe nothing. So this garbage, it could be his homies from his neighborhood could have pushed it to 50. Isn't Drake a male duck? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. But scientists have uh, taught it how to sing because scientists have been growing babies and cows for the last 20 years. For the last 25 years! (laughs) They've been growing babies and cows! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, Come on. This, this is like Billboard weird Al- Top 100 from oh. 1996. Oh, okay. Okay. No, it's not better. I'm not saying it's better, but. Who's this? Keith Sweat. Who? Keith Sweat. Twisted. Keith Sweat. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, baby, I know. He's a nose nostril singer. Maybe yeah. I love but you don't feel like I do. Tell me I, I, this is the. This is. <laughs> unfortunately, this is my high school. <laughs> that era mm-hmm. 96 I graduated in 97 huh. thanks Keith enough of that thank you Exposure to rap music. Hey, this is R&B. This is Tony Braxton. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, this yeah. is a long time ago. Oh, well, ninety-six. Who's Go ahead. he? It's a girl. Yeah. Well, hold on. Wait for it. <laughs> is that real? What was your first experience with rap? You say? Uh. Or R&B kind of singing sort of kind of thing. Yeah. Who's in the military? 
And uh, that's what you use for torture. <laughs> Actually, well, that was I, wasn't it? Now that I think of it, I can't repeat it. So <laughs> I'll tell you when we're off. All right. Can touch the sky. Okay. Then there's this. What year? 96. Oh, really? I mean, it was the top, in the top 100 of 96, so. Is that when they made money, if you were a musician? I think so. Okay, yeah, I know this is. Or I know this song. Uh, this might have gotten large from the After movie Bed of Roses, maybe? How do you what? That's a love story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that didn't really help much. Oh, man, here we go. Oh. Yeah. Gangster Paradise, right? Yay. But see, I only know it from Weird Al's song. <laughs> right. <laughs> As I walk through the Amish Paradise. Of yes, kids, yes. I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Maybe treated like a punk, you know, that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking. Who's this? This is back when bands could actually play music. Oh, Blues Travelers. Good work. And then to be Schizophrenic. <laughs> what? Bipolar. George Michael was the biggest British pop star in the 1980s, spinning a series of infectiously catchy pop singles into global stardom that saw him sell over 100 million albums worldwide. Blessed with good looks and a fine voice and a knack for writing engaging melodies that worked well. 
with dance-friendly rhythms, Michael became the rare teen sensation who matured into a respected star as an adult, though his life after achieving pop icon status has not been without personal and creative challenges. Michael was born Georgios Kyriokos Panayato. It's easy for you to mm-hmm. say. On June 25, 1963, in North London, suburb of East Finchley. His father was a Greek uh, Cypriot restaurant owner who changed his name from Kyriokakis, whatever, to Jack Michael when he immigrated to England in the 1950s. Michael's family relocated to Bushy, Hertfordshire, when he was in his early teens, and he struck up a friendship with one of his new schoolmates, Andrew Ridgely. Both Michael and Ridgely were in- interested in music, and in 1979, they formed a ska band called The Executive. The group didn't go far, but it gave them a taste for the spotlight, and they took the- it took what they learned, and in 1981, formed a pop duo called Wham! The early Wham! demos impressed executives at Intervision, an independent record label that signed the group to a contract. By 1982, Wham! had hit the UK pop charts with Wham! Rap and Young Guns Go For It and scored an American record deal with Columbia. However, Michael and Ridgely soon discovered how unfavorable their deal with Intervision was and they opted out of their contract by forfeiting all future royalties of material from their first album, Fantastic, to sign with Sony Worldwide. The choice proved to be shrewd. Wham's second album, 1984's Make It Big, transformed them from British hitmakers to a genuine international sensation as Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, oh, yeah, that's Everything sad. She Wants, Careless Whisper, and Freedom became wildly successful in the UK, Europe, and the United States. Wham soon became one of the biggest new acts on earth, and in 1985 they became the first Western pop group to tour the People's Republic of China. But Michael displayed an ambition that went beyond Wham's new success, and the Careless Whisper single was released with the credit Wham featuring George Michael, setting the stage for him to strike out on his own. In 1986, after Michael had released a proper solo single, A Different Corner, Wham announced their breakup and said farewell to their fans with a sold-out concert at London's Wembley Stadium. Michael wasted no time making his mark on his own, releasing his first solo album, Faith, in 1987. He produced and arranged the album as well as writing the songs, and it managed to top Wham's phenomena, phenomenal success, spawning a series of major hit singles including I Want Your Sex, Father Figure, Kissing a Fool, and the title track. And selling over 20 million copies worldwide, moving close to 10 million units in the United States alone. Now that would be a, a bigger... Uh, Score 10 million. Yeah, when did he die last week? Christmas Day, Christmas Day. Well, George, I hope you knew Jesus. Yeah, I kind of doubt it. Yeah.
Ah, yeah. Hootie ah. <coughs> and the Blowfish. Hey. I, I really like them. This is the Christmas edition and New Year edition, I guess, of the, uh, of the David Allen Show. The final show of 2016. can't forget uh, Alanis Morissette, too. Oh, no, we can. <laughs> How about uh, the Bare Naked Ladies? Ooh, that's not very nice. You like them, right? Hey, that sounded bad, and I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> ladies? Uh? The, the group, Bare Naked Ladies. Do you ever listen to them? Oh, yeah. Okay. I did not mean it that way. Yes, sure. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Art and Francis from our camping days? Yes. Oh, man, a long time ago. Their son was the sound man for the Nine Inch Nails. Really? Oh. I guess that's oh. true. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, after reviewing a series of tax forms... For his sprawling ministry, prosperity gospel preacher Kenneth Copeland was reportedly puzzled and disturbed to discover he had been operating a nonprofit organization all this time. Sources close to the wealthy minister reported Tuesday. Uh, be today. The revelation came after Copeland noticed his organization was, re- has re- was registered as a tax-exempt ministry. According to one of the IRS forms, his accountant asked him to sign. Really? Are you sure we're not for profit? I mean, I've got a massive lakeside mansion, my own tennis court. I even let the ministry foot the bill for my own personal airport. The confused minister reported, asked, reportedly asked his financial team, quote, I would never have done any of that if I'd realized we were a non-profit organization. We could be in deep trouble if the IRS ever caught wind of any of this. We'd better fess up right now. This whole time I thought we were all about the profits. I sure feel profity. Uh, strange. Copeland muttered as he dialed his wife Gloria to see if she had heard about this not-for-profit business. Real news on the David Allen Show. One more. This Los Angeles, California. A local man, Herbert Patterson, died of natural causes after waiting in his car for over 60 years for his wife to finish socializing at Second Avenue Baptist Church following a November 1956 service, sources confirmed Tuesday. Patterson reportedly got into the couple's 1955 Chevy Bel Air about 30 minutes after the close of the service, right after being assured by his wife, Betty, that she would, quote, only be a moment, and then they could go get a hamburger at McDonald's on the way home. But when minutes turned to years and years to decades, the man began to grow concerned. Well, that's Betty for you, Patterson said with a good-natured chuckle in the 2008 interview as he continued to sit in the front seat of their car waiting for his wife. Oh, by the way, don't tell me who won the Cold War. I want to be surprised when I turn on the radio tonight. (laughs) Honey, it's time to go. Come on, he called out, attempting to honk the horn, but finding it had long since ceased functioning. Sadly... Patterson would never find out who won the Cold War as he passed away peacefully in the driver's seat of the couple's now classic car 
as his wife continued to signal that she was just going to be one more minute talking with her friends in front of the church. He went as he would have wanted to, waiting for Grandma to be done milling about after church. One of Patterson's grandchildren said at the funeral, which Mrs. Patterson did not attend, as she was still reportedly socializing, for just one more minute after the church service had ended over 60 years ago. All right, predictions, 2017. What do you got? <clears throat> it's good to have Seal as the soundtrack for this. Oh, good. Um, <clears throat> I predict that the Vikings will not win the Super Bowl. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I can't. Be- oh, wait, aren't they out already? I don't know. You can't predict something's already happened. Well, I don't know. Oh, did you say Ever? No, or is this next just year. 17? Yeah, 2017. You must not be into baseball. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't watch it. Yeah. You don't like hockey? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, predictions next year. <clears throat> 2016. What, what's the number one prediction? What do you got? Number one prediction. <clears throat> uh. <clears throat> How about you just pulling this out of your hat? Yeah. Hmm. Thanks. Um, that they are not <clears throat> going to abolish Obamacare. Ooh. They'll change it, but not abolish it. That's my prediction. Change but it to re- single payer? No, they'll just kind of tweak it a little bit here or there to make people happy. But again, remember, I'm pessimistic, so either way I win. Huh. I'm I'm pessimistic about Trump actually doing what he says he's going to do. I kind of think it might work. I don't know. And I'm, <clears throat> I'm not saying this out of in, out of that I actually, yeah, know it. I just clearly. Yeah. Wait, do you have insider information? I'm I'm making this prediction like I predicted that Hillary is going to win. The That's right, you did. Yeah. We, le- election night. night. Yeah. Peanut but gallery. again, that was pe- pessimism. Really? All right, peanut gallery. What do you got for prediction? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb hey. and say that Mariah Carey will. Expose her cleavage in public at least once a month. At least once a month. At least once a month. Oh, just cleavage. Yeah, that'll happen. I'm, I'm with you. I'll get on that wagon. No, I'm not. Not literally. I'm not. No? No, I disagree. Pessimist. She's, she's too classy for that. Right. Yeah. She's going to back the class bus up and get on it and not do that anymore. It was that Nick Can- Cannon that... Oh, wait, don't worry. They're not married anymore. So she'll be better. Didn't they have twins and then they got divorced? Awesome. This celebrity culture is so good. Let's immortalize them as heroes. Yeah. What about you? What's your prediction? I predict 
that the uh, personal computer um, will be greatly diminished, even more so. I just bought one. Don't say that. I Right. Now are you talking in, in, desktop in, in, or laptop? Well, uh, pr- well, desktop mainly. I mean, because this right here, this I, I what I'm holding my non formerly nicotine non stained fingers. Uh, speaking of him, he just signed a new contract. Really? Yeah. I bet. Uh, not hundreds not small. Of of hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Uh, it's large with cumulus. This is Rush Limbaugh we were talking about. Um, no, this iPhone 7 Plus that I'm holding in my hand, this is easily can do everything 90% of people need to do on a computer. Oh, contrary. 90, you're in the 10, 90% of the people. I, oh, I said it can do. Whether it's the right form factor for those old timers like is who? a different story. Like who? When you're talking The old- peanut gallery. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, that's my brave. Yeah, that's my brave and courageous um prediction. prediction. Wow. 2017. Now I don't know what that means exactly. If that means people will stop making, like, I don't think they will stop making the personal computer. They can't. They won't. No, 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 no. But I think that the market will go toward tablets. Which iPads and such, um, and cell phones. Ha! I agree. <clears throat> what? Yes, I no, agree. None pessimism, huh? What was the number one song in 1973? I don't care. <laughs> the year I graduated. Hey Siri. What was the number one song in 1973? Did you know that? I've heard of it. It's not a song. What? It's not a song. What is it? I, I don't know. <laughs> Why do you say that? Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. <clears throat> Tony Orlando and Don? Well, they knock three times on the ceiling it, if you want me. No, by, by, by Don, you say? Tony Orlando and Don. <laughs> yeah. Don were two back up. Okay, the dude. number two song then. Ha! <clears throat> it's possible I'd rather listen to the dribble now from today. <laughs> What well, is the story here? Now I've got to know oh, what right. Hey Siri, what is the number two song from 1973? What? <clears throat> hey Siri, what was the number two song in 1973? No, no. Siri, what a joke. 
wasn't a good year. Clearly not. But back then they just had, <clears throat> like they did, they just had the music chart, their billboards, right? They didn't have like heavy, me well, I don't even know what how they would define that, but like folk, and. <clears throat> well, they I had mean, a group. <clears throat> by I mean, a you guy named Carlos Santana. Yeah. But like. But that was just some evil stuff then. But like, I mean. Now he's, he's a pretty cool guy. But on the charts. It could you could have um, the Carpenters next to Led Zeppelin, right? You I mean, could. The theoretically, because now it wouldn't be that way. So with the charts now, you might have R and B and yeah. There's only one chart. About a mile below the surface and the warm Kentucky sun. The late shift was ending and the early shift was late. That's a and good symmetry. Same group plane. starting. And ending. It is just different genres. Yeah. Blood on the track. Blood in the wrong now in my number sixty there's blood on the We're steaming, it was 7.25 Every miner worked the cold face Every one of them alive The train came round the corner You could hear the trestle groan But the switcher wasn't listening So he left the switch alone Blood on the track, There's a story here too I'll <laughs> bet there is and sisters, what a terrible time Oh, 97 went in the wrong hole Now in my number six What's the story about the Toe Jam football song? I don't know. Well, the walls began to tremble and the men began to yell. They could hear that lonesome whistle like an echo out of a well. Well. Dropped their picks and shovels as to safety they did run For to stay amongst the living in the year of 91 But on the tracks, but in the mine Brothers and sisters, what a terrible time What a terrible time, this is the David Allen Show Well, this is going to wrap up Or come close to wrapping up This, um 2016 here from the uh, upper midwest iron horse as he stood athwart its passage and it crushed him dead of course <laughs> and i hope he hears the irony whenever this tale is told that the train that took his life was burning good kentucky cold blood on the tracks blood in the mine brothers and sisters what a terrible a terrible Seven got in the wrong hole now in my number 60 there's blood on the cold one more real news from the david allen show david guyan has been the head janitor at bethel church's reading campus for over 10 years but the custodial uh, technician has recently become frustrated with his job as Bethel churchgoers continue to leave piles and piles of miraculous gold dust and angelic feathers all over the sanctuary for Murphy to clean up. A report from within the church revealed Tuesday. 
I love what I do, he told reporters as he leaned on a broom in the church foyer. But I was here till 2 a.m. last Sunday cleaning up glitter, gems, features, feathers, you name it. I'm glad the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself in these kinds of phenomena, but it sure would be nice if he'd appear in an easy-to-clean-up form somehow. He also said the challenge has been compounded in recent months since he can't keep any janitors on staff, explaining that all his new hires keep quitting after getting burned out from cleaning up the miraculous phenomenon every week. The stuff gets absolutely everywhere, all over your shoes, under your fingernails. Frankly, I don't blame them for not wanting to clean it up after every service. Well, that's some more real news from your friends at the David Allen show. I, I'd uh, take the gold dust and then oh, melt it. That's interesting. Into like gold nuggets and it's then plastic. sell it. Oh, okay. So it's not. The actual gold. You mean you telling me they're snookering people for money? No, for gold. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not for profit. It's fine. <laughs> well, uh, we will see you all again in the new year. Yeah, or hear you all. We're not going to see any of you. We'll hear you. No, yeah. we won't. You'll hear us. <laughs> hey. Um, David Allen Show at gmail.com. You want to send us some love? Uh, coming up in the new year, we will have Money. an actual method for you to support this show Money. with your hard earned, hard earned, livable minimum wage. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I like that. Yeah. We're not for profit. Right. Here. We're for. Because we, we'll make a loss every year. <laughs> We're for loss, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But help. Yeah. Help out. Whatever you can. This is the David Allen Show. Uh, Happy New Year, Christmas. Mer- Merry Christmas. Happy Merry New Year. Merry New Year. Merry uh, uh, New Year. Uh. Uh, any last words? Merry New Year. <laughs> As my mom used to always say, Melikilikamaka. There it is. Have a good one, everybody. Happy New Year. See you uh, See you around on the other side. Yes. Yes. Doobly. Kudos. <laughs> <laughs>